Watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Players' Championship, day number two, Tuesday at the Players' Championship. We got a little breeze, and you're going to hear that uh, for the next few hours as we are live once again at the Players. But we have ourselves a beautiful day. When they drew up the fact that they were going to move it from May to March once again, first time since 2006, and this is where it sat on the calendar, I think they drew up this day. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's hard to even break a sweat. The wind is swirling, which actually will make it difficult for the players, so it's a challenging golf course, despite a little rain last night with some soft greens. So this is exactly what they had in mind when they uh, thought about the players moving on over uh, to March once again, and this is kind of the way it used to be as well. So it should be a lot of fun here today. Hey, guess what we're talking about again? Nick Foles, a lot of reaction from around the country, around the world, around the football world, and of course right here in Jacksonville about Nick Foles coming to Jacksonville. How about this? We'll have Nolan Carroll on, a defensive back from the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2014. He played longer than that, but he played with Nick Foles in 2014, and he's a Jacksonville resident, of course, out of Clay County. Played his uh, high school football at Clay High School. He'll join us at 3.45. And then Sal Palantonio recently wrote a book with Nick Foles. He will join us at 4.30 today. Sal Palantonio from ESPN knows the Philadelphia area very well. And he will talk Nick Foles and what this means to the Jacksonville Jaguars. His recent book, Philly Special, uh, has been out over the last year, of course, since Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. That gets you started. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Justin Kuzart. Kuz was out at the players earlier. Uh, he is back in studio pushing all the right buttons. Meanwhile, Austin's trek to get to this table <laughs> is is almost remarkable. Like, I think we should put something on him, uh, like a, some kind of a, like a GoPro or, or something like that uh, to see how he can make it to the uh, table every single day. How you doing? I don't even know if your audio's on. What's up? Uh, can you hear me? Check, check. Yeah, I can't hear you. Try the other headset, because we had a problem with this headset uh, yesterday. So uh, I've got John Hello. over here. Mike, check one, two. There you go. There's All something right. up with that headset, by the way. Um, so I'm going to have to work on that. I'm an engineer out here, people, so we will work on that. And today is a quest, a quest of mine to uh, deliver the right number, 904362. 362-9901, and we'll take phone calls again today. More reaction, uh, not only on Nick Foles, but I want to get some thoughts over the next couple of days on Blake Bortles and how he will be remembered. I put that out on social media, and a ton of responses, good, bad, indifferent, um, and, and I expected that. You know, you're going to have your haters. Uh, about the way he played. I think you're going to have your people that respected what he meant uh, to the community and what he tried to do here in Jacksonville and, of course, got him to an AFC championship game as well. So we're going to get into all that. How you doing? You made it out here. Dude, so the heart rate's at about 200 right now. Uh, what ended up happening was, you know, we were back at the media location. And yeah, you I were sniffing around stay. for food. Well, yeah, I happened to stay back because uh, there was a nice spread out, so I had to take part in that a little bit. You know, Meanwhile, I lugged all the equipment point. up, even oh, though there's dude, a 6'6". Six, 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 Former football player, MMA fighter, <laughs> and didn't want to help me bring up the equipment. Well, first of all, Brent, it is fight week, so I have to, you know, when it comes to being doing physical labor and stuff like that, I have to keep it on the down low, unfortunately. So I appreciate you uh, carrying the brunt of that stuff. But anyways, so from what I was told, we're by the 17th green, right? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. behind the 17th well, behind, green. So I'm thinking, like, so where where were we located, Brent? Like, by hole number 13, 14? Because I have no idea. Like where? where like, yesterday? No, when I was eating food. Like where? right here. 
No, when I was eating food, like uh, in in the in the media, media center. center. Yeah, no, that's what, what I'm what saying. You're at the clubhouse. Yeah, okay. that's like hole 18. Okay, so I thought that there'd be like signs telling me where to go for 17. Cause I have no idea where I'm going. And unfortunately, there wasn't, so I'm asking around and everything like that. And they said, yeah, it's just over the, the golf course. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I didn't, and this is going to sound stupid, but I know that they're still playing. Like, they're practicing right now, the players. Yeah, right? yeah. So I just kind of, like, ran across the green a little bit, and some guy yelled at me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's cool. And I showed him my media badge. Like, don't worry, it's cool. He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I couldn't You go ran across the, the Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. Time out. Yeah. Stop the car. Let's get, <laughs> I know you don't know uh, your, your, golf, your, your golf terminology. My, yeah. You weren't you across what green? Or, or like the fairway, I guess it would be, right? The fairway. Yeah, so you yeah. don't run like, no, You're not... talking 18? Because there is no fairway on 17. It's yeah, water. Yeah, so it would be 18, I guess. So I 18, as, as you're coming from the clubhouse, yes. There's the first hole you see is the 18th green. Yes. You didn't cross that. Please tell me you didn't go on the green. I didn't go on the part where the flag is. Yeah, I, I just went that's the, the green. Okay. You didn't do that. I'm sorry. I, I, then I went in the green part of the fairway. Well, there's like a lot the of green, but part. so you went in the fairway where they hit from, like hopefully yeah, where their yeah. drives go. Yeah, exactly. So you're just running across the fairway? Well, yeah, it was the shortest distance, man. I'm trying to get here on time. And then <laughs> some dude yelled at me, like some guy's security. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, it's cool. I thought it was cool. So then I showed him my media badge. I'm like, it's cool. And I, sh- I put it up like I'm cool. And, uh, yeah, it s- turns out it wasn't cool. Stop so, the car. I, I just, I can't, I don't even, I'm not listening to anything you're saying. Okay. You fine. ran across the 18th fairway in an attempt to get back here behind 17. Correct. That is fantastic. Well, I didn't, dude, I don't, I don't I know. I think you're going probably on. going, now, you could have security here in a minute, and they might revoke your credential. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know what reminds me of a quick little story. <laughs> and if Patrick Kavanaugh is listening, he will know. But. Jeff Clouck years ago, and I want to say it was maybe the 2013 Players Championship. And and by the way, folks, you're gonna to have to bear with us a little bit on the on the wind. It's just uh, picked up once in a while. I think you get it. But uh, so Patrick Kavanaugh is working in our sports department, and Jeff Clouck's a local guy from Ponte Vedra. His dad was the superintendent at the golf course forever, and so his son is playing on the PGA Tour, and he's in the Players Championship. Cool story, awesome story, yeah. and he's playing well. By the way, he had a great week that week. But earlier in the week, I think it was Thursday or Friday, we are out there and we're following Jeff Clark around. Well, <laughs> on the 18th hole, if you from the fairway and the approach shot for the golfer, well, it looks right at the clubhouse, majestic clubhouse, right? Beautiful in the background of the shot. Yep. Well, Patrick gets behind Jeff Clark in the fairway and kind of does one of those shots where you get on your knees and, and the camera's laying on the ground and it's kind of this cool look up at him. And, you know, it's a TV thing, but still, you've seen the shot before. Sure. And, and you get that full-length view of the golf shot and the clubhouse in the background and everything. And <laughs> we get back in after the round. And, the, 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 by the way, the, the PR folks here at the PGA Tour are awesome. At the players, they're great. I love them. Some of some of some great friends, and they're just great people. And uh, one of them says, "Were you just behind Jeff on the 18th hole? Like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know. That's for the Golf Channel. <laughs> like, you don't know that, though. Basically, we're just we're just running with Jeff Clough. I mean, it was during the tournament. You can probably get away with it during a practice round, sure. but we're doing it during the tournament. So it reminds me of I might get a phone call, or I might already have an email. Hey, uh, it's not like you blend in out here, by the way, just to let you know. I mean, you got yeah. dreads and a beard, know, a beard and you're yeah. six foot six. Yeah. And uh, and, yeah. and here I you go. I do myself any favors at all. <laughs> Listen, man, like I, I was in panic mode. I thought, like, I'm going to leave 15 minutes, plenty of time to get over here. Well, then I start walking. I'm like, there's no signs. 
tell me where to go. And uh, I started to panic a little bit, and I started to run, and then, yeah. Like By the way, the you're not alone either in this, I'm because I'm getting uh, texts left, like some people that are here, and they're like, hey, where are you doing the radio show from? And I'm like, behind the 17th hole in the welcome area. And people are like, we're behind the 17th hole right now, and I don't see you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, it's the welcome area. Like, there is a whole other area, people, for you guys listening. If you're coming, there is, if you see the suites behind the 17th tee box, the famous Island Green, that's behind, I get it, that's behind the 17th tee box. But behind the hole, like toward Palm Valley Road, there is this, like, this might as well be a, a, a Ponte Vedra Park. There's all this green space, there's the fan shop, there's the new, uh, there's a 17th hole replica, they've moved it back here. This is the welcome area I'm talking about. And so it's got a ton of foot traffic, a lot of room to roam, and uh, that's kind of where we are. So I'm going to have to try to explain it to them, uh, too. But, uh, sure. hey, you got here. You got I'm here. still here, yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, nice to be here, Brent. Yeah. I'm just, I just told Coos, I was like, Coos, we're going to have to get this guy a map around here. Well, yeah, this is literally the only time I've ever been here. Obviously, I was under the influence a little bit, so I don't remember too much of it, Brent. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, besides the day when we were on here Friday, uh, I don't really know where I'm going. So, you just got to cut me some slack, man. But eventually, I'll gather my bearings. I'll, I'll think of where I am. But thank God for that pro shop there, because I kept asking, hey, where's the pro shop? Where's the pro shop? Then those people directed They figured the out. Direction. That's good. Yeah, good. So. Uh, anyway, uh, Nick Foles. Yep. It's still uh, coming to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nothing's changed. And I have to say that because did you see the whole <laughs> Minnesota and New York Jets bar, the right? bar? I mean, yeah. that, that's crazy. See, that's what can happen. You know, there, I had some people on Twitter say, I thought you said it wasn't done. I was like, well, it wasn't done. Mm-hmm. The Foles thing wasn't done. They did it Monday. And why can't you have – now, the thing I was, I guessed wrong on at least, I thought they would have a longer negotiation with Foles. And I thought I there thought would too. be a little give and take. And the Jags just said, you know what, you're our guy, we're going to pay you like our, you're our guy, and, and we want you to be our guy. And, I, you know, that's good business, I guess. Uh, some would say they overspent, but they didn't make it a big to-do. And we talked about that a lot yesterday. We said, hey, do you really say, hey, we want you to come run our team. We want you to be the CEO of our locker room. And we're going to really try to tick you off before we do that by wrestling over a million or two million dollars. And it seems like they avoided that. I also think... Let's not be overly gracious to the organization. I mean, I don't know how much that was good business, how much it they went back and forth on it, and maybe the full side won out a little bit and, and said, hey, well, we're not going to do that. Or, you know, there could have been a couple of hours worth of that. Um, bottom line is what we talked about yesterday, nothing has changed there. The Jags have themselves like the 10th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's got a Super Bowl MVP. It's not your money. And by next year, he'll be like the 15th or 16th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So I'm really, I think I'm over the talk about the dollars. The dollars, and I'll tell you a little bit more why it makes sense on the other side uh, for this this contract for Nick Foles in terms of the early money. What I had mentioned last week about the early money and how much they'll pay in 2019 for Nick Foles. I think there's some sense in that. Again, we'll have Sal Palantonio on. We'll have Nolan Carroll on. We'll talk a lot about Nick Foles. What else will the Jaguars do? We've got Florida Gator talk. They begin spring practice. Tiger Woods talks. You'll hear from him. The Players' Championship Week is underway. The gates open this morning at 7.30, and they're ready to roll on another week of the Players' Championship in 2019. And so are we. We'll be back on ESPN 690 Action Sports Jacks live from the Players all week long at our coverage brought to you by the Law Offices of John Phillips. Hey, welcome back to the Players' Championship. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Justin Kuzar, Marcel Robinson hanging around taking selfies. That's what he does. That's what he does. Best dressed. Dude, where are the shades at? 
Shades are in the pocket. I was going to say, I mean, if you're outside. I'll have to get him on here. You might as well. In in a little bit. But, uh, hey, this is a practice round. Tiger talk today. We'll have a little bit of that coming up in just a bit. Again, Nick Foles uh, talk uh, throughout the show, of course. And uh, continued on right now. I want to do a couple of things when it comes to the Jags. Uh, Why... Why this does make sense, you know what what to expect for the Jags, and here's what I heard and, and have figured out: it's 22 million dollars, 88 million dollar deal. What did they say about 50 million guaranteed? Uh, that's what Schefter reported. Yeah. And what my curiosity was: will they? How will they spread the money out? I think I told you I thought it would be more than three years because I would give them the option to spread the money out. And if you look at the cap hit in 2019, when all this comes out, I believe it's going to be right around $12 million in year one. So what does that mean? Well, if it's only $12 million from a cap hit, keep in mind, the Jags had planned on spending about $21 million in a cap hit for Blake in 2019. So I always said, okay, I don't think they want to go spend $35 million or $40 million in a cap hit this year, considering Blake's dead money and everything else involved. And the money can be really confusing. But at the end of the day, I think they've worked this deal out to be friendly in 2019 to the team. And keep in mind, when I say that, Nick Foles still gets his money. I mean, he's going to get his guaranteed money. He gets his signing bonus up front, all that. The other stuff just gets spread out. And so it helps the team being able to backload that a little bit. And it could hurt the team down the road. You know, Blake's cap hit last year wasn't much, but this year was going to be a lot. And that's where you run into the dead money situation and everything else. One more facet to keep an eye on, and there are some rumors that people might be interested in trading for Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumors are going to fly over the next little bit, but he's getting released at the very least uh, coming up in the next uh, probably 24 hours. But when he signs with somebody else, and I believe that's a when, not an if, they'll still be able to get some of that money back off the cap because of that signing bonus, the guaranteed money. That Blake uh, has that six and a half million the team owes. There's offset language in there. So if the New England Patriots or Tampa Bay Bucks or Miami Dolphins sign Blake to a two-year six million dollar deal, three million dollars comes off that cap hit of that six and a half. So at least they'll save themselves a little bit of money on paper uh, in that regard. Let me ask you this question: If a team was to trade for Blake Bortles, would that actually help the Jaguars out in terms of cap hit? Like, would we get more money? Would they get more money back or not? Or is it kind of the same thing? Well, from the six and a half million dollars of cold hard cash, you might be right. From the dead money, not necessarily, because look what just happened with Antonio Brown. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Antonio Brown, the Steelers are still taking the dead cap money hit of twenty-one million. Yeah, the way it yeah. the way it works. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I think they can, depending on how they restructure and what exactly the terms are of that deal. I think they can save themselves in both regards. Uh, well, not not the, the dead cap money situation, but the actual cash, which matters too. I mean, the cash is cash. Uh, but at the end of the day, from you know, we're all talk all this talk about money. At the very least, you just you know, this is like taking a loss on your home that you had to sell and you're going to have to pay a little extra and they're going to have to pay six and a half million dollars at least at face value right now to send Blake Bortles on his way in terms of the cold hard cash all right beyond the money uh, I just think it's important to realize that I think in year one it's not going to be as uh, they're not going to spend so much on that position even on paper like it's more on paper that concerns me uh, where you don't want you if you had put 21 million dollars down on paper for the QB position well you certainly don't want to spend 35 million on that spot and so I think that will work itself out
The other part of this, I think, there's two facets of Nick Foles that intrigue me. Leadership and accuracy. And this is not a knock on Blake Bortles. I don't think he's a bad leader. I think they could get an upgrade in leadership just because there will be a bought-in respect for his resume. I think Blake was always fighting uphill to gain the respect, to to quiet the noise outside the building. And, by the way, players these days, they buy the noise. They hear the noise. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to avoid it. And so I think he was always uphill at that. And part of it because of his own play, but part of it because of, at times, probably a little bit of undue criticism. I mean, not to the point it was happening. You know, I mean, people just hammered Blake left and right, and it became a punchline, which then infiltrates the locker room, at least uh, subconsciously. So I, I don't know where Blake ever was as a leader. He was a captain, but if you're not playing well, how much can you lead? I think the story on Nick Foles is he's a very good leader. The guy's gone to a Super Bowl. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. He's the got the highest winning percentage of any quarterback the last two years in the NFL. He just made another run into the postseason. He's 30 years old, which is three or four years older than Blake Bortles. So I think he commands a certain amount of respect. And remember the story coming out of Philly about Carson Wentz. And there were some rumblings that Carson Wentz was not a great leader, right? And people weren't all in on Carson Wentz. And we don't know where that that story came from. We don't. Uh, Doug Peterson at the combine when we saw him said, "Hey, this is Carson Wentz's team. Everybody believes in him." He did have some folks on on his team come out and say, "This isn't true." Blah blah blah. Where there's but, smoke, there's fire, though, Brent. Well, I think where that came from is not necessarily a knock on Carson Wentz. I think it was the respect for Nick Foles. And I think if you took a poll in that locker room at the end of last season. You have to wonder where that pole would land and who they wanted to be the quarterback. And so from a leadership standpoint, I think this guy has a real chance to capture this Jaguars locker room that was kind of a mess. And we all know it needs a little bit of leadership, and it needs a leadership for the most important position. You know, it's been a really long time, and I think maybe never in this franchise's history, that the most respected leader, the most respected guy in the room, has been the quarterback position. You know, you go back, obviously, Bortles hasn't been like that. I mean, Calais Campbell has the last couple of years. Paul Puzlesny was for the years before that. Smith, I'm not sure David Garrard, David Daryl Smith. Yeah. I'm not sure David Garrard, even though he had some nice moments, ever commanded that kind of, hey, he's the guy and we follow every single thing he says. I think you probably have to go back to Mark Brunel. And even on Brunel's team, you had Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor and also a Tony Baselli and those guys. So... There were a lot of veterans, uh, a lot of guys that you could point to, and, and Brunel's probably the best example of that. But if you think about the quarterback situation in Jacksonville, in the history of the franchise, and they're about to enter t- season number 25, a quarter of a century, it's been hard to find a guy that at that position has stood up and been like, we are following you, like they do in New England, like they did in Indianapolis and Denver around Peyton Manning. You know, like they did in Philadelphia, it looked like when he entered the fray the last couple of years. And like they do in so many organizations that do well. Atlanta, I think Matt Ryan has that, right? Cam Newton, Carolina has that. Uh, Russell Wilson, Seattle has that. You know, and it doesn't always have to come with a resume. It just has to come with kind of this, the, the broad shoulders, the swagger, and say, come on, follow me, boys. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think Blake had that. I, I don't think we can even, we can even, uh, say he somewhat had that 
Well, and one could argue you mentioned Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton maybe lost that a little bit because remember when him and Kelvin Benjamin went at it a little bit and then uh, Devin Funchess and him got into it a little bit this past season. But obviously that stems from when you're not, you know, winning ball games, and, and that's exactly what happened in Carolina. So uh, from a leadership standpoint, yeah, I mean, I, I think Cam's still the dude and everything like that, but I think the leadership from him took a little bit of a hit this year. Now, g- getting back to the, the whole Foles point, if you would have brought in a rookie quarterback to take over the Jacksonville Jaguars, say a Dwayne Haskins, a Kyler Murray, there's no telling what kind of leadership he would have brought to the team just because, number one, he's a rookie. So on top of being a rookie, now he has to also be a leader right away. Like, that's a lot to ask somebody, and don't get me wrong. There are players that have done it. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield would be a prime example for the fact that, uh, and granted, he didn't start right away, but you know he still came in, and it seems like the Browns want to play for him. So there's always that, that special guy who can command leadership right away, but make no mistake about it, being a rookie in the NFL is hard enough. Being a quarterback that's a rookie in the NFL and then trying to worry about leadership too is uh, supremely difficult. So from that perspective, I think the Jaguars got a good fit when it comes to leadership in Nick Foles. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of it. You know, I think that's what they said. And by the way, a lot of people have insinuated that that's what they said with this contract is, hey, we think this is your team. And we're not worried about a couple million dollars. We're going to show you a couple million dollars to prove that you're a team. I don't know how much I buy into that stuff. I just think the fact that what his, what the resume said in Philadelphia, you know, how the reaction was in Philadelphia, how much they liked Nick Foles in Philadelphia, says a lot about probably his leadership abilities. And you mentioned the couple million dollars. I just think Jaguar fans have a problem with that couple million dollars because they see the extra two, extra three million that could have been on the table that can go to maybe like an offensive tackle, even, you know, maybe like an offensive guard or like, or like a season tight end. Like that money could have been spent someplace else. So from, you know, a Jaguars fan's perspective of the frustration of, you know, overpaying for foals, I think that's where that comes from the most. But just to go full circle on this segment and what I started the segment with, if it's only a $12 million cap hit this year, that's not going to be a problem. That's, yeah. that's actually not going to – don't worry about the 22. Think more like 12. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and, and that's what you have to think like. So um, I think that's better off. Okay, the other part of it is accuracy. The number one problem for Blake Bortles these last five years, would you agree, is accuracy? Yeah, I mean, I think accuracy and throwing mechanics were the, the two big things. The two, right? one leads which, to the which, other, which kind right? of leads to the other, correct? Uh, so I think, and I'm not saying this guy's the most accurate passer in the in the league. I mean, what was he? Seventy three percent last year. Had a really nice run. He's had some nice runs, but he's also listen. If you look at his entire career, he's ebbed and flowed a little bit in terms of that completion percentage. So don't just look at one small number. I think you got to take the seven years of Nick Foles. But the bottom line is, if you have a third and eight pass over the middle, there's a lot of confidence that Nick Foles is going to put it on the money. There was not a lot of confidence Blake Bortles was going to put it on the money. I think those are the two biggest upgrades the Jacks just got at quarterback, and that is accuracy and leadership. And uh, that's just the way it is. That's plain and simple. I think that's fact. And now we'll see if he can win big because of it. We'll see if that's the difference in a couple of W's for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he can make that difference by completing a couple of uh, important passes in a game. And when when games only come down to a couple of plays, that certainly is the case. We're going to talk to Nolan Carroll, who played with Nick Foles, coming up at 345. And we'll also talk to Sal Palantonio, who wrote a book with Nick Foles, coming up at 430. But next, Tiger Woods from the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, I have uh, two crystal ones uh, at home, and this would be nice to add to it. Tiger Woods talking about the new Players' Championship trophy as they put a lot of work into the new gold man. 
trophy here at TPC Sawgrass that will be handed out on Sunday, of course. And the old crystal goes away, and Tiger does have a couple of those. He's the only player in the field that has won in 2001 and in 2013. So he knows what this thing does in March. He knows what it's like in May. And, uh, again, he's been able to raise the crystal a couple of times. Can he get a new trophy added to the mantle here? They put a lot of work into that. I think Tiffany helped uh, with the Tiffany's, it is, uh, helped. Uh, design and execute the new uh, Players' Championship trophy. I kind of like it. Everybody's critical of, of everything. Um, but I kind of like the fact that, that the symbol of the Players' Championship is now the trophy. 24-karat um, gold they dipped it in. It's, it's pretty cool. And it, it sits on a thing uh, that, that has like the 17th hole design in it. Yeah. Uh, and what they did with the actual face of the the new Players' Championship trophy is they took combined the winners from all the players. Yeah. They put them in this machine, like a facial recognition machine, and, that's and the they face morphed it? it into that. That's that kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, that's I, cool. th- I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Tiger Woods uh, is playing. Tiger Woods says he's healthy. Next, not an issue. We just wanted to be uh, cautious with it last week at the Arnold Palmer. Jason Day is here. Rory, Ma- again, everybody's here. I mean, it's the deepest field in golf, uh, best field in golf, and they're ready to tee it up. On Thursday, uh, we got some rain last night, so the conditions are a little bit softer. What's amazing to me is I've never seen the course in 2006 when they played in March. Uh, I mean, I've seen the course in March, but not when it was tournament ready. And I always thought this course looked fantastic. Every year it looked better and better and better. And what I call, I say about this this event is, I would be not surprised if the rise of this event also coincided with. HD television becoming a thing because I think this this tournament pops on TV and it's kind of like Augusta but the thing about Augusta is it wasn't always on TV for a long periods of time on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday this has been and I think you look at the flowers you look at the 17th hole you look at HD TV makes all those things pop one of the favorite reasons I love covering horse racing in this business when I did is because of the colors and the sound and HD television and horse racing made it unbelievable you <laughs> yeah. know I mean it just it took you to a different level mm-hmm. and I really feel like this course has done that and helped elevate the players championship it's not the sole reason uh, it seems a little silly but I do think subconsciously it's been one of those things that's helped uh, the NBC coverage uh, their ratings and globally, Everybody be even more attracted than ever to this golf course and this golf tournament. One thing that's fascinating about the March and May is that the average score is not very different. This will play harder, you would think, because of the wind swirling. And there's been some uh, tough, tough tournaments when it was in March. But it doesn't differ that much. Usually around 12 under will win it. You can do that, right? Uh, I'm sure if I if I applied myself to it, I mean, if Jalen Ramsey can play in the NHL, I can definitely be on the PGA Tour. We'll Here we say go. That much. Uh, it's always kind of interesting because this has to be like the only sport where the fans are dressed exactly like the pros. Because, like, I mean, you know, like, every once in a while someone's going, oh, my gosh, it's him. And I look over, I'm like, I have no idea who that guy is. And, and you know, like, if I if I saw, like, you know, I, I know obviously what Tiger looks like and Fowler and Bubba Watson. I mean, there's a few guys I could probably recognize, but... As far from that, I mean, you know, I could see just an everyday Joe walk by. I could be a pro golfer, and I have no idea. As opposed to a football player, NBA player, you pretty much know what's going on. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, that, that's I think that's uh, that's pretty good. That's right on the money. We actually watched a guy go by today, and I know golfers pretty well. And I said to Marcel, I was like, I don't know who that is, but he was really sl- small in stature. He was yeah. like, I mean, I'm serious. He might have been five foot five and 100 and. 
45 pounds. Sure. And I was like, do you believe that guy right there is a world-class golfer? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. They're, they're all shapes and sizes. Yeah, Justin Thomas is not a big guy. Even Tiger Woods, who looks so big on TV, yes. if you see him in person, he's not like six foot four. Like, mm-hmm. like big, like athletes that look big on TV. Yeah. Are usually big, and like six foot four, six foot five. Well, not like Tiger's not. I mean, Dustin Johnson's a tall guy, but he's a thin guy. So it, uh, you're right. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. And, and uh, well, the guy that's been the right shape, the right size, and the best golfer on the planet for a long time, Tiger Woods, uh, is is here and ready to play uh, at the Players' Championship. What do you think? From uh, I know you're not uh, like this huge, I tune in every week for golf, but mm-hmm. what's your take on Tiger, the comeback he had last year, and what it means for him and everybody else watching golf going into this year. Tiger is just, you know, obviously he's captivated the the golf audience. I mean, he's captivated really not even the golf audience, just the sports in general. You know, it's a it's it's a guy where you, me personally, I tune in and watch him every single time just because I want to see what he's going to do. And it's it's not the fact that it's not, it's not like he's playing that well per se. I mean, you know, he hasn't won. I feel like in a while. Is that correct? It's to say, I mean. I don't remember seeing Tiger Woods on the, on the podium in the. Well, he won last at the last event of last year uh, okay. in Atlanta, well, and that was right. he finally got to the to the winner's circle. Okay, but I'm saying just from a perspective of where golf is such a crazy sport now, where it feels like anybody can win it. You know, like I'm not gonna go on a whim and say I think Tiger's gonna win this players. I mean, it's really I feel like an open field, and especially this golf course. So it's just something with Tiger, man, and it's it's hard to put it into words exactly why it is, but the dude has just, and he's still doing it, he's, he's captivating everybody, and I'm sure a lot of the people here, you know, when when Tiger starts playing, are, are going to go follow him and, and, and watch him, you know, I mean, he's probably going to have the biggest gallery, he's going to have the, the biggest crowds and everything like that, and it, it's a guy who's not necessarily playing, like, number one in the world, but it's just, you know, people want to be in the presence of greatness. Yeah, and he is, uh, and, and he does that, and I don't know if there's People will talk LeBron, but I don't think there's an athlete that does it more for his sport than than Tiger Woods. Let me ask you this question. Do you think there's ever going to be another Tiger Woods again? And, and I mean, uh, you know, I don't mean from a, a black golfer, but I just mean from a perspective of a guy that can captivate the sport so much that, that, that can be a world, uh, you know, wide name. Yeah, I, I don't know because he was so born and bred in the role. Mm-hmm. And this day, we see, well, keep this in mind. Tiger Woods has created an entire generation of golfers. Like Michael Jordan created Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Understood? Yeah. yeah you know, like, yeah. like he created that whole next generation. Like even LeBron James just said it. He just passed him and he wanted to be like Mike. And Tiger Woods did that for the entire sport of golf. And so what he did was he put such a focus on the sport of golf. And so many people now said, hey, I gotta do this and this and this and I gotta hit the weight room and I gotta hit the ball four hundred yards and, yeah. and and I gotta work at my craft and look at all the money I could make and all those things that Tiger now has created he created all his competition that he's currently competing against <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. And therefore I think he will also create a the next Tiger, if you will. Um, I don't think there'll any, ever be anybody like Tiger Woods. His, his dad had a golf club in his hand at two. It was a, a very unique situation with his dad and the way he trained him to become this kind of golfer. Um, and then he lived up to it. And he's he did things that nobody's ever done. And he, he went through a stretch in 2000, 2001, 2002 that will never, in my opinion, be duplicated. It, it just won't. So uh, if 
save for the five years of uh, controversy and health problems, I mean, Tiger Woods, in my opinion, would have already obliterated all these other records, including major championships of Jack Nicklaus. Okay, Brent, but let me ask you this. So you said it yourself. You said Tiger Woods is the MJ of golf, more than likely. I mean, you know, Jack, you know, the Golden Bear, Jack Nicklaus is pretty good, too, from, <laughs> yes, from what I've heard. Uh, you know, the little name drop. But uh, so let's call Tiger the, the MJ of, of golf. Okay, and, and then you mentioned, well, MJ created Kobe. Uh, you know, you know, Braun, too, is, is a big proponent of, you know, MJ creating him as well. Well, who's the Kobe in golf right now? Who, who's, who's the LeBron James of golf right now? Yeah, well, if you were to the, say it. the problem is there's too many of them. Okay. They've got, it's like they've got uh, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, Greek Freak, James Harden. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. now, listen, I still think LeBron James stands out above those. I think Kobe Bryant stood out above those. But my point is they have Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. I mean, the list goes on and on. I could yeah. sit here and name them and name them. And then the other thing that happens in golf is it morphs into the old guys still have a chance. Phil Mickelson, the Jim Furyk's of the world. BJ Singh almost won last week. He's 56 years old. So it's a very unique sport in that sense. Hey, Kuz, uh, dial up some uh, reaction from Tiger today during a news conference. We'll share more of this. Uh, but let's talk about Tiger on putting because that's really been the Achilles heel so far early in 2019. If he's going to win, he's got to start making more putts. You can only swing or make the movement as, as good as your body's feeling. And I was starting to get a little stiffer and tighter. And um, unfortunately, my my I was hitting the ball halfway decent, but it wasn't very. I was hitting it hard. Um, I was just plodding along and and just kind of getting around. And as my neck got a little bit tighter, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable with, with my putting. And but it was my putting was uncomfortable going into that point, and it just made it worse. Uh, I had Matt take a look at it. I've seen Matt out here f- you know, the past year because he works with uh, JT a lot, and I've played. Geez, I've played a lot of rounds with, with JT, either at practice runs here or at home. Um, and, and Matt has seen my stroke enough. Uh, I wanted him to take a look at it and see what he what he thought of where my um, where my setup looked like now versus all the times that I've. I've putted well, and I've putted well with different postures, you know, throughout my career. I've done different things, and um, but I wanted him to have, I wanted him to take a look at it. And then he, he mentioned a few things, and uh, as I started to feel a little bit better this week, uh, or this past week, then uh, the, the putting definitely freed up. Well, let's see if it frees up so he makes some putts this week. Listen, it's all about the same thing. There's there's two things that allow people, I think, to win golf tournaments on the PGA Tour. They're all good. Uh, now, listen, you can have a bad week driving the golf ball, hitting the golf ball, chipping the golf ball, getting stuck in the sand, whatever it might be. But if you look at the end of the week, guys that win golf tournaments usually made almost every putt from 10 feet and in. And 10 feet is not a small putt. I mean, 3 foot, that's small. 10 feet? Like, you and I, we, we, we're probably like 30% from 10 feet. These guys, when they win are like 85-90%, and maybe even more. Sometimes they'll have perfect records inside 10 feet. Part of that's the greens are so true, so if they get it on the line and their stroke is right, the ball's going in the hole and they know it in the first two feet. Mm -hmm. And so the other part of having that good of a mark from 10 feet and in is your ball striking and getting the irons close. If you're 25-30 feet away all week, you're not making birdies. If you're 10 feet away, you're probably making a lot of putts and making birdies. So we'll see if Tiger Woods can get the irons close and, and make some putts.
And who he was talking about was Matt Killen. Tiger's been teaching himself, basically, the last year and a half on this comeback. Hasn't really had a coach, but he did have uh, Coach Matt Killen take a look. And that's uh, Justin Thomas's coach as well. So played a practice round with Justin Thomas today um, here at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, just nine holes for Tiger Woods here on a Tuesday at TPC. More to come from the Players' Championship. We'll hear more from Tiger Woods. We'll set up this week at this beautiful venue here in Ponte Vedra Beach. But next, we get back to Nick Foles. We talk to Nolan Carroll, who played with Nick Foles back in 2014 when he had 27 touchdowns and just two interceptions. We start way back as we look into the career of Nick Foles coming up next on ESPN 690. We are live at the Players' Championship. Tuesday of the Players, of course, round one begins on Thursday. Tiger Woods doesn't tee off until uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. Thursday is going to be a busy day. Uh, just to give you a little bit, I think, from what I've heard. Now, nothing is locked down just yet, but it looks like Nick Foles will fly into Jacksonville Wednesday evening and meet the media and the fans and everybody else on Thursday morning. And I still think there's an idea to get him out to the Players' Championship if time allows Thursday afternoon, but that might have to wait even until uh, Friday, uh, potentially. Brett Martin, along with former Jags player Austin Lane, live at the Players' Championship. Our coverage all week long brought to you by the law offices of John Phillips. And right now we're pleased to be joined by... A Jacksonville guy, really Clay County guy. Don't mix up that. A lot of pride in Clay County. Uh, Nolan Carroll uh, from Green Cove Springs played at Clay High School, of course, and played with Nick Foles for a season back in 2014 and, uh, and maybe even a little bit of 2015. I think Nolan's down in uh, South Florida right now. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we're trying to find connections to Nick Foles, and you were one of the guys that came to mind. Uh, give us your thoughts on Nick and also your thoughts on him landing in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I honestly think this is a, a good fit for Nick, and I'm, I'm definitely you know happy and proud of him because a lot of people tend to forget about three years ago, everybody counted Nick Foles out. You know, when he went to, when he got traded to St. Louis and he signed his deal and and he ended up not performing as well. Everybody thought, oh, man, this isn't a good quarterback. He's just a system guy with chip, this and that. And you know, Nick drowned out all that noise and, and ended up getting a second chance in, in Philly and was able to, to show what he was about. And then he got another chance the next year and showed that he can really carry a team. And, and the thing about Nick is he, he's all about quiet confidence, but you can just see it on him. He's just, you know, ice cold. He, he's just calm, cool, and collected. From the time that I spent with him, you know, he's a real – he he is actually a, a captain. He leads by example. He's a man of God. He always puts his team first. And those are the qualities that you really look at in a player and, and as your quarterback. And, and like I said, I'm I'm very happy for Nick. He's he's had a different road than a lot of other quarterbacks. So I'm glad that he's getting his just due and his uh, recognition. Hey, what's up, Nolan? Austin hey, what's Lane going here. On? Uh, what's up, Manson? Uh, one of the things you're hearing about with Nick Foles is his leadership. Um. You know, as a guy that shared the locker room with him and everything, would you consider him more of like a rah-rah, kind of get-in-your-face type of guy, or is he more of like a cool, calm, collected, lead-by-example type player? Uh, he's both. There's been times where I've seen Nick just been calm, cool, and collected, tried to get everybody to settle down, calm down, and, you know, put drives together. And there's been times where I've seen Nick, you know, rally the guys up and tell them, hey, look, this is important. You know, we got to come out. we gotta, we got to score on this drive. we got to make something happen. I've seen it from about five or six games in 2014 where it it just looks like, man, how are, how are they going to get out of this? And, and Nick somehow pulled it off. And I think the best memorable game, memorable game for me with Nick was 
actually when we played Jacksonville, the first game of the season was my first game against uh, my first game playing for Philadelphia, and we were down 17 to nothing going into halftime. And we're going to the locker room. We're getting booed by our own fans. Next, you know, I, I can hear Nick kind of in the background on the other side of the locker room, just saying, "Hey, man, we got this. Don't worry about it. We're, we're going to be good." And, and then, you know, come out there and shoot. We scored 31 points in the second half. So it, it's one of those things. When when I first saw Nick and I saw that performance, I thought, "Man, this guy is special." Clay, high school grad, uh, former Maryland Terp, former Miami Dolphin, Philadelphia Eagle, Dallas Cowboy. Nolan Carroll with us here on ESPN 690 on a Tuesday afternoon live from the Players. By the way, Nolan, appreciate your patience. It might be a little breezy at times out here uh, at the Players. Uh, I know you miss this, right? I mean, you got to get up here. Or you, don't hang out in South Florida this week. I know. I should have, you know, came up there, but I had my golf tournament a couple weeks ago, and actually the, the weather was pretty, pretty nice and beautiful. It's always... So it's good to get back to Jacksonville, man, and, and just see how the area is grown and see old friends. So, so to me, Jacksonville, Green Coast Springs, uh, Fleming Island all have a special place in my heart. But you guys are toughing it out up there. <laughs> well, this isn't toughing it out, man. I can guarantee you that. It's uh, it's awesome. Uh, 2013, by the way, was the year Nick Foles went 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. I know this has taken you a while back, and you're on the defensive side of the ball, but you already have recollected some of the memories of Nick Foles. I mean, he comes into that next year, and I think that was your first year, so 2014 in Philly, and yeah. what were the? I mean, the expectations must have been huge, and the reason I bring that up is because, well, now the expectations are going to be big in Jacksonville. He just signed an 88, or he will sign an $88 million deal uh, worth $50 million guaranteed, so the expectations go sky high. Do you remember anything about the offseason, training camp, anything like that, with, with already big, lofty expectations every time you step on the field in Philly, but how he might have handled that? Yeah, I think he handled it well, and, and if you can kind of remember that 2013 season, I believe uh, Mike Vick, he had just got hurt, he pulled his hamstring, and Nick Foles came in and just started lighting it up, and yeah. I think the Oakland games when he set the record for touchdowns in the game, I think he had seven, I believe, I'm, I'm not sure, six or seven, but then ever since then, he just took off, and he just had staggering numbers that year, so the next year in 2014 coming in, I just remember, you know, can Nick Foles lead this group, uh, Mike Vick, had, you know, he, he went and signed with, uh, I think, Pittsburgh or the, or the Jets, something like that, so they basically yeah. gave it to him, they put it all in his hands and said, hey, can he lead us, and you know, we had a good season. It was 10 to 6, but we didn't go to the playoffs, and it wasn't how it was last year, you know, comparable as far as standards. And then <clears throat> we just had a whole bunch of different stuff going on. Guys getting traded, shipped away. Lashawn, Djack, you know, and, and then you know we had Sam Bradford come in, and then we just swapped trades, I guess, with uh, Nick and Sam. So it, it was hard for him to kind of adjust because he didn't have a bad season in 2014. It's just the things didn't go his way. And I think him going to St. Louis and then Kansas City and having those learning experiences with different quarterbacks and, and seeing different things and to come back to Philly. And, and he really picked up kind of where he left off. And it wasn't any pressure on him when he came back to Philadelphia because Carson was the man. And you know, when he came in, it was, okay, well, let me just play the way I know how to play. There was really no pressure on him to to perform and he he's done an excellent job you've seen how he's done and every time people have counted him out he finds a way to win and that's what you want from a quarterback you know people hate Tom Brady because he always finds a way to win and I think that's the same with Nick Foles I don't necessarily think people hate him but he's ready for the expectations that are in front of him
Yeah, very good. Uh, good insight on Nick Foles, by the way. And I know that's going back. Heck, I don't remember what the heck I was doing in 2014. So I appreciate you bringing up some of these uh, moments uh, with uh, Nick Foles and, and how you remember him in the locker room and on that football team in Philadelphia. To that point, more of a general question. Because in Jacksonville, and, and you know the NFL, you've paid attention to it, and I'm sure you pay a little bit of attention to the Jaguars at times. Blake Bortles has had mixed reviews in Jacksonville. Five years of it. Obviously goes to an AFC Championship game, had a good year too, promising. And then he, he's been maligned at times and, and really beat up uh, by the national media and even some, some peers in the NFL uh, over this five-year stretch. But he was always, in my opinion, chasing the respect of the guys in the locker room because of the noise outside and because of some of the lack of success. How important is it in a room, in the locker rooms you've been in, to know that that guy is the guy and we want to follow that guy? And obviously the hope in Jacksonville is Nick Foles is that person I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it's very important for everybody in the building, not just the players, but the staff, the front office, everybody to to rally behind your guy. And I don't think that was necessarily the case in Jacksonville. And there was mixed reviews in the locker room with with uh, Blake Bortles. He he had times where he was you know he was good, and he had times he was he wasn't as good. And I think everybody looked at that defense as oh they're only good because the defense carried this whole team, but. Blake had some good games. You know, I was able to catch some games just being down here in South Florida. They showed a couple of Jaguar games, and you know, he wasn't—he wasn't as bad as everybody says he was. I, I thought he was decent, but I just think it goes to that—that that factor of him trying to get the respect of everybody. So he's trying to force things on the field, and that's when you start making mistakes. Is when you start forcing things, and I don't think with Nick coming in, he's going to force anything. If it's there, he's going to throw it. If it's not there, he's not going to throw it. He's not going to make those mistakes to really put your team in a bad situation. Nick's a, a very great game manager. He's a very smart quarterback, so he understands what defenses are trying to do. He understands what defenses are trying to do to him, and you know he'll see that. He'll exploit it, and uh, I think that with, with the guys that Jacksonville has and the guys that they're probably going to end up getting you know, through the draft, they're going to surround him with any weapons, you know, the, the first outlook is obviously going to be defense because they lost some key guys, but they're going to get some guys on offense to, to really help him, and they're going to tailor that offense to Nick to become successful. They're just going to take things from, from Philly that he did well. He's going to bring some things over, too. They're going to work together, and they're going to get it right. Yeah, work with John Filippo, of course, is uh, a former coach in Philadelphia as well. Nolan Carroll with us. As a, as we, we let you go, um, I want to just catch up with you. How, how's life? Uh, I saw you last year at your golf tournament. I missed it this year. How's the foundation? Uh, give us an update on what's happening uh, with Nolan Carroll, life after football in the NFL. Yeah, it, actually, it's, it's, it's cool. I can't complain about it at all. You, you, it's funny when you're in the game, you're so concentrated on just football, 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 you don't get to really – take time and enjoy the other things outside of a uh, football life. You know, I've been able to hang around my family a little bit more, learn some more about them, been able to hang out more with my son and see him grow crazy. It's, it's, it's funny how, how fast he grows and, you know, how much he's able to learn every single day. And, you know, also with my, uh, my golf tournament, I just had it a couple of weeks ago, which was another success for being the second one. It was, it was popular. It was, it was a hit and, you know, everybody's excited for next year as well. So, I'm glad I was able to to get that accomplished. Well, my mom was able to get that accomplished, so I have to thank. <laughs> and she's uh, probably listening. Make sure you give her credit. Yeah, she. I, I know she has to be listening. <laughs> but you know, it. Knowing Carroll Foundation is, is all about the kids. It's giving back to the kids, giving them an opportunity to to show them that 
there's more besides just being an athlete, being a rapper, being an entertainer. You know, they can be whatever they want to be. They can be a, a real estate agent. They can be a doctor. They can be a, a firefighter if they want to. You know, all the old dreams that we used to have as kids of, of being, I'm trying to bring those things back and, and let these kids know that your education is key because there's certain things in life that don't last forever. Football doesn't last forever, and everybody wants to be a football player. They want to be a baseball player, a basketball player. But those things are, are short, so short-lived. You only really, honestly, three, three and a half, maybe to five years, and then after that, you're probably still in your late 30, your early 30s, and you still have your life to live. So I'm just trying to teach those kids about certain tools that they need in their life to be successful and to be able to manage stuff on their own, and and then eventually pass that down to the next lineage. And and I think we're we're starting to do a, a, a great job of that. We started initially last year um, funding some some camps, ID Tech and uh, Data Busters. So that was good, and now we're looking forward to doing it again this year. And so I'm, I'm really excited, and you know, I'm excited to get in front of these kids and, and and just give them something that they can take away from me when I'm speaking to them, even if it's just one thing that can help them the rest of their life. I'm, I'm good with I'm content with as long as I can do that. Good for you, Nolan Carroll. We appreciate you giving back to the Jacksonville community, even if you're now down in uh, South Florida. And always check back. Love to have you in the future on ESPN 690. Appreciate your thoughts on Nick Foles. Yeah, definitely, man. Let me know, and I'll I'll come on anytime you want. You know you got me. Absolutely. Nolan Carroll, former Clay High star, played for the Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys as well, joining us talking about Nick Foles, teammates with Nick Foles back in 2014. Some good insight on the leader, the man, the quarterback of Nick Foles. We'll have more conversation about Foles, including Coos, with a little East Planet <laughs> tour guide. What's That's up with that? that? Yeah, man, he's trying to be famous, man, trying to be a viral sensation. I see him. Visit Jacksonville should hire Coos. Yeah. More on that and Sal Palantonio in a bit, who wrote a book with Nick Foles. Coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from the Players' Championship. Coverage all week brought to you by the law offices of John Phillips. What's going on, everybody? Brent had a quick run out, so I have the keys to the car now, and I hope they don't drive it off the road. But it is 4 o'clock, so you know what that means. Coos hit me with it. Looks like he's got about a three-wood here. Going to need you to grab a drink, get a shot, and uh, tip your star tenders. It's in the hole. That was uh, <laughs> that was my TPC Sawgrass golf announcer voice. Hopefully that came through well on the radio. Coos, uh, since Brent's not here, let's talk a little bit, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we don't get to really talk about it, just me and you. So... This whole thing on Twitter that I saw this morning, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting retweeted. You're starting to become a viral sensation. Uh, what was the inspiration? And please share with the folks if they don't know what I'm talking about, what exactly we're talking about here. All right. So I'll, I'll play it for them first, and then I'll yeah, explain the, yeah. th- the thoughts behind it. Yep. What up, Nick? Welcome to Jacksonville, and I hope you enjoy your time here with the Jaguars. I compiled a list quickly of things you need to know before you get here to Jacksonville. Blake was known for the beach bars, so you may want to avoid getting that reputation, though there are some good bars there. If you're down in San Marco and get stuck by the train, you might as well just cancel all your plans for the day. You're going to be sitting there for a while. If you have to cross a bridge to go to work, you're most likely going to sit in traffic, and considering the stadium's next to bridges, you're going to be sitting in some traffic. They say there's an end to the construction on I-95, but um, I've been here 10 years and it hasn't been over, so there won't ever be an end to it. Publix chicken tender subs. 
trust me. It is pretty impressive, though, that in Jacksonville, you can be driving for an entire hour and still be in the city of Jacksonville. Mini bar donuts or Sonatis, though I guess that might be an off-season thing for you. There's going to be these little lizards running around. They're harmless. And then there's the occasional homeless man that's going to be holding a rattlesnake, but no big deal. Nothing to worry about. Look up flood zones. That actually is a really good tip. Like, the past two years, we've needed to know that. And in the summers, it's going to rain every single day. At some point, it will rain, but for only about 30 seconds. Then you're good to go. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest. I'm not mad at any of those suggestions. Especially, like, the, the whole check your, you know, the flood zones and everything like that. That's something people kind of take for granted until it actually happens. I was going to say, so. that's actually something you really do need to know. Like, I was trying to, you know, poke some fun, but I was like, that actually, that's actually an important one. Without a doubt, without a doubt. But yes, uh, fine work on that. I have to ask you, though, as far as the food choices, those are two restaurants I've never heard of before. Can you please fill me in a little bit? Because obviously I like to eat. Oh, Sonati's and Minibar. You haven't yeah. heard of that? Oh, never heard of dude, it. you're Darren actually... Rovell, Darren Rovell back, just uh, tweeted out the... Uh, the, the donuts. Mini, Mini bar, bar is so good, man. Those guys love me, too, and, and they're really close <laughs> to where I live, so I'll go out there all the time, and, and you get, like, you know, they're little small donuts, so you don't feel bad about them, but then you eat, like, 15, and you're like, oh, I'm a horrible person. And then you hate yourself. Yeah. Fair enough. Coos, you don't look like a guy that uh, a donut place would love. Yeah, you need to be a little bit bigger, I guess. But I, I, Nicole and I love going to Mini Bar Donuts. I get some coffee. We get some like of their crazy donuts. Uh, the, uh, oh man, the Fruity Pebbles donut is definitely my favorite. Interesting. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and Sonati is also another good one. Oh yeah. Uh, the so did you do the Happy Hour horn? Yep, we did that. Don't worry, we already did it. Yeah. And he did Kuz's advice. Yep, we did that too. Tour guide. Coos. Yep. Uh, by the way, Coos, uh, saw Nicole again. Oh, yeah? Today. And uh, you did, too, obviously. You were out here this morning. Yep, we had lunch. And uh, by the way, props to Nicole. I might have to get her a gift and don't, don't, this is, this is nothing. Uh, I'm not trying to be creepy here. <laughs> a little creepy? Nope. Little, little creepy vibe? Just, uh, <laughs> I'm in line. To, I, I went to the souvenir shop, the fan shop, which is right over here. And I know they sell out of some things, so I wanted to at least take a look. Plus, we get 20% off with our media pass in there. Oh, sure. Right. Well, I saw Nicole, and she was at the register, but I, and she might have given me a little bit more of a discount. Okay. So she already gave us what I have on right here. The player, remember? Looking good. Dropped yep. it yep. off. Yep. And that gave me a little bit more of a discount. So uh, I don't know how you feel about Nicole Coos, <laughs> but right now I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, she's all right. So here's the thing, Brent, I guess I should ask you now, because... If you go to like, to, like, a rock concert or to, like, a festival or something like that, there's one rule. Oh, there's a couple rules. But one of the biggest rules is that you never wear, the, you know, the, the band that you're going to see, you never wear their T-shirt at the concert. So is it frowned upon at all to wear, like, a player's, you know, shirt or a player's, like, a, I guess you'd call that a windbreaker? What is that kind of? I mean, it's, it's like a yeah, It's like a quarter it. zip. Okay. I mean, come on, a dude. Quarter, a quarter zip. Cool, <laughs> a quarter zip. I've never heard the term quarter zip until today. I, okay. I thought you bought your clothes at, what's that name of that place? Lulu. Oh, maybe. Oh, Lululemon, though. Oh, Lululemon. Foles. Foles. Foles, hit me up, please. But anyway, so is it is it frowned upon, Brent, to wear a player's shirt at the player's championship, is what I'm saying? Nah, it's really not. You know, I do think about that stuff. Like, you know, we don't cover the Jags and wear Jag shirts. No, I do for all access. They want us to wear a Jag shirt. But you don't really, like, go to the Jags and wear a Jag shirt. Okay. Uh, but in golf, it's a little different. Like, I've gone to Augusta, and you wear the, the Augusta logo. Mm -hmm. And uh, now what you don't do is you don't come here and wear an Augusta logo. They don't okay. like 
Really? Yeah, that's kind of like, you know, you're in their house, man. Go put a, put a Players' Championship logo on. Okay. They don't love the... I don't think they like that. Now, yesterday I had like an Atlantic Beach Country Club shirt on, which mm-hmm. had the turtle. And uh, I don't think they care about that, like TPC Sawgrass or Southampton. Or you can wear a logo from another golf course. But I don't think they love, because what happens here at the Players' Championship, there used to be this complex. And this is why they, one of the reasons, seriously, why I've heard they moved it to May. But they used to have a complex because in March, everybody would come here to ask questions about Augusta in the Masters because it's coming really? up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I get and that. So, and it's the first major. And so everybody would say, hey, you know, how do you feel about Augusta? How do you feel? Well, I guess we lost you for a second. The wind knocked us off, so apologies for that. Uh, between the wind battling, it's a breezy day. It's a beautiful day, but it's breezy. We're actually in the shade, so it, it, it's pretty cool uh, where we are. Uh, here at the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass, where the welcome area, where all the fans are pouring in. I will say this, Military Appreciation Night, of course, John Pardee will play uh, right next to the famous and most iconic hole in golf, the 17th hole at TPC Sawgrass. Um, there are a lot of people here. I thought this was a busy Tuesday at the Players' Championship. Of course, one, Monday you can't come. Uh, it's closed to the public. Uh, they did that years ago, and that's because there's just a sprinkling of people, and I think it was a good move on their part, kind of keep that day for the golfers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tuesdays, uh, pretty packed house. I don't want to say packed. That's a little overdramatic. But uh, definitely a pretty good crowd here at the Players' I'll tell you what, too, there's a lot of kids skipping school today from what I can garner. Well, Duval County's on break. Okay, whatever mind then. Uh, and next week, St. John's County is <laughs> on Go on, on as you were. So uh, my kid might be skipping school spring later. Break? What is it? Yeah, spring break. Okay. Already? You'll experience that when your kid gets to, like, six. Well, see, I'm sorry. In Wisconsin, we never had spring break until my senior year of high school. So, Like, never? No, we, we didn't have what spring break have? until... What you have? Winter break? No. We just got done early, I guess, with school. Like, in the summer. So you went... When you got Christmas break... Yeah, we had Christmas break. And then you didn't, like, have a vacation week? No, until no. Until the end of the year? Nope, until the end of the year. Until my senior year of high school, then we got a spring break, and then that was, that was the only time we ever had it. Well, how about this? I'll give you one. Go ahead. Now, what, so when did you get out of school, usually in high school? What like, time? Like early June? Uh, late May? Late May. It been. You did? Yeah. You got out that early. Yep. Well, you know, if I'm in Wisconsin, I want to enjoy every 60-degree-plus day <laughs> yeah, I can sure. get, so I, I don't blame them for that. Well, you have to remember, spring right now, it's still like 20 degrees, so it's not, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really to do with spring break in Wisconsin anyways. But here's the deal for us. You know, it's really different, and we're, I think, in New England, one of the few that do it this way, I think. But... We have a February break, week off, and an April break, a week off. Spoiled. Well, spoiled, not really. We get out of school on, like, June 23rd. Ooh, that's rough. Summer's over, man. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, and then, so down here, and like, when I went to Ohio, like, the kids now, obviously, they're getting out right around Memorial Day, and which is perfect for my schedule, because June and July are the slower months for me. Mm-hmm. So, if, if the kids were out the entire month of August, like they are in New England... I mean, I wouldn't even see the kids for, for the month they're out in August. So uh, it actually it works really nice. But isn't that crazy that we got two weeks off? I don't think I don't know if anybody else in the country does it. I, I think some parts of New England do it that I've way. I've never heard that. February and April, and, and uh, most other people do one week in March. And I'd never even heard of what you just said. Wisconsin yeah. doing uh, um, no spring break for a long time. Yeah, uh, we had but a, now they do. We, we had a lot of crazy things at our school that a lot, a lot of schools don't do. Like for instance, did you guys have? We'll, we'll get into some different topics here, but did you guys ever have merit, where you could actually have a job, like a part-time job, and that was actually one of your classes? You know, you get out. They do that now. I, I think around here, a co-op. Co-op, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they might have had that, but I was, 
I never really even considered anything like it, so I can't tell you gotcha. if they did and yep. if they do now. Uh, you know, there there are things like my wife, where she went to school in Columbus, Ohio, in high school, they could leave at lunch and go like a, wherever to to eat McDonald's or oh Burger yeah, King that's or, we could do too. Do that? We oh yeah, do that. Yep. We, we couldn't do that. We used to drive 15 minutes to talk about every single day. Really? Yeah, during See, lunch. Yeah, we could not do that. And and. Oh, yeah. uh, we eventually, I think my senior year of high school, I think we had like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut come into the cafeteria. Oh, like I think they had them in. Don't even tell me that. Brain is gonna make me upset, man. That's that, awesome. No, that's, that's awesome. Good. Yeah, that's fantastic. But you know how long the lines are if you oh, have like if you, you can go get listen you can go get like a uh, a chicken patty. Yeah. And yeah. and green beans. Yep. In the lunch line, or you can go to Taco Bell. Oh. All 500 kids in the lunchroom are going to Taco Bell. <laughs> no, for sure. For so, sure. Uh, it was a little bit. I remember the lines being super long. I think that happened my senior year as well uh, in high school. Right, welcome back to the Players' Championship. Let's talk a little bit about the Florida Gators right now. They start spring practice uh, today. Dan Mullen talked yesterday on a variety of issues. And uh, I want you to hear from Dan Mullen as uh, we kick off a little coverage about the Gators. We talked last week about Florida State and, and what they've been doing. And we talked Hornerbrook yesterday uh, as well. But the Gators now embark on an interesting year for me because Dan Mullen exceeded expectations last year in year one. Man, did he ever. He galvanized everybody in Gainesville uh, finished top ten in the country, folks. I mean, who would have ever thought that? He did better on the recruiting trail. He got more out of Felipe Franks than anybody would have imagined you could get out of Felipe Franks. He did a lot. And now it, the the expectations grow a little bit. The uh, support is sky high for Dan Mullen. It's a good place to be. Florida needed that. It had been a struggle this decade until last year. So that was fun for Florida. Still. Even at sixth in the country finishing in the polls, they feel like they are. there is a big separation between the Alabamas, Clemson, and I would say even Georgias of the world before Florida can get up to that stage. And is this the year they do it? And can they do it again with Felipe Franks, or do they go in a different direction with one of these young quarterbacks? Dan Mullen on Monday talking about the quarterback's spot. I'd love him to just uh, make some, you know, be able to understand what's going on and make quicker decisions. Um, which again gets down to non-spectacular plays. I think one thing he really bought into at the end of the year uh, was his ability to play physical. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't, we don't be, at the quarterback position. You're not looking for a great. I don't need a dynamic runner, or a great runner, or even any bit of runner. You know, you just want somebody that is going to have kind of a toughness edge to him. And I think you saw as the year went on. Um, you know, he kind of played with some toughness, and I think it upped his confidence, it upped the team's confidence in him, it upped everybody's level of play. When, you know, every once in a while, he goes and he drops his pads on somebody to run into an end zone, and that, boy, that, that lifts everybody's spirits on the team. That, that this guy's leading us with, and he has a toughness to him, you know, both mentally and physical toughness to him. Um, I think that's such a huge part of the quarterback position. Uh, to, to do that and have that edge to you. So I think that um, that helped him. Obviously, you know, we don't usually hit the quarterbacks that much in the spring, so I don't know that he'll really have a factor of doing that during the springtime. Uh, but I, uh, hopefully it just raised confidence, and then in his confidence helps him be more comfortable in the offense, being a quicker decision maker. Because uh, if you're a quicker decision maker, you know where you want to go with the ball. Um, you got a chance to be more accurate. Now, now you're make good decisions with great accuracy, you end up becoming a pretty good quarterback. 
Uh, there's Dan Mullen, especially talking about uh, Felipe Franks. I thought he got so much out of Franks, and good for him, you know. I mean, sitting here talking about Blake Bortles for these last five years, I felt like we were almost talking about Bortles at times when Felipe Franks was in the conversation in Gainesville. It was like, yeah, well, he's got this, and you want to, he's a nice kid, and you want to do all this, but I'm not sure if he's got enough game. Well, Dan Mullen did wonders with uh, Felipe Franks last year. I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit, and you give the kid credit, too. He battled through some things. Uh, there was even times where you could tell he was frustrated, frustrated with what he was hearing from the outside noise. That's a lot to ask for for a young man, I think. And uh, I think what Dan Mullen just said, and really where Blake made the most hay in terms of fan support and in-the-locker room support is the showing the toughness. When a quarterback can show the toughness, and Felipe Franks did that, and now we just see where he can go. I'm still, I still think he's an okay player. Uh, does he have another gear? Can he get him to another gear? Well, you know the quarterback position. Uh, if you don't, they'll find another one, especially in college. Well, find another one too. Emory Jones is a player who Coach Mullen really talked about. Spoke really highly of. He's putting the you know the time in the off season, whatnot, watching a lot of film, getting his mind right. Also said that, and, and I quote Dan Mullen here, which I don't agree with here, but he said he added some girth. Uh, girth to his to his great brain. word. Yeah, well, uh, great word. Brent, why don't you just say muscle? Like, what what would you rather have have me say? Yeah, Brent added some girth, or Brent added some muscle. Well, Let's if you said I added muscle. some girth, you're right. <laughs> if you said I've added some muscle, you're wrong because. I've definitely got a little girth going so, on here. So, I, I don't know, take it take it how you want it from the whole girth perspective if Emory Jones actually added muscle or if he just got uh, fat. But um, <laughs> but, but anyways, but and another guy to keep in mind, too, especially in training camp, um, you know, there's going to be a competition. Obviously, uh, I believe Felipe Franks is definitely the guy right now, but you never know with, with, with the emergence of Emory Jones. It's something to keep a tr- you know keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, let's talk more uh, forward to Gators and hear from Dan Mullen as he kind of set the scene for the spring. Spring practice gets underway today uh, for the Gators, and you know, we'll check in down in Gainesville. Of course, we've checked in before with Tate Casey and Will Salmon uh, from the Athletic, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, tough week to do that with all the Jags talk and, and, and the players championship going on but spring practice takes you all the way through uh, the early to mid part of april and the orange and blue game of course I, I still think those spring games are the most overrated deal in the world in terms of trying to gather information about what your team might look like in the fall but they're fun for the fans and uh we'll see uh how that part goes as for dan mullen he talked about the injury bug and how they are health wise and who's in who's out uh here in the spring for the florida gators take a listen yeah, there'll be a couple here and there, guys banged up. We'll see. Uh, you know, guys still getting through some, some, you know, some little strains and stuff during, during the off season. I'm, I'm, like I don't expect uh, Moon, McDowell, and Dunlap would be the probably the three that are be doubtful to get back in the spring. Everybody else should be, might be limited here or there, but those guys are doubtful to get back this spring. All right, so a little bit uh, of who's in, who's out. Uh, no major deals uh, when it comes to that for um, uh, for Dan Mullen as he continues to build in year two. And year two is something Mullen talked about, just like we were saying. Where does it go from here uh, for Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators? How much can they elevate their program in this second season under uh, Mullen, who is back for a second stint, if you will, in Gainesville? We're going to do what our guys do well. You know, I mean, and I think as the year went on, you saw that when we really found out about the team. Hopefully, uh, we know more about the team uh, and where we're at. It's it's a brand new team though this year, so we still got to learn about what this year's team's going to be about. Uh, 
I, I just think, you know, when you get out there on day one, there should there better be a lot more carryover. You know, they, they, they know how to practice. They know what, you know what we expect from them. But they also have an idea within the scheme. So there's, there'll be a lot of young uh, faces out there, guys in new roles, uh, you know, that maybe hasn't been in that, that part of a lead role before. But, um, but it, you know, it, it's the foundation of the offense and defense is going to – should be a lot of carryover and should allow you to accelerate the, the learning curve and the comfort level within what we're doing on both sides of the ball a little quicker. All right, Dan Mullen talking about the Florida Gators again. Spring practice starting up today and uh, going for the next uh, month or so leading up to the orange and blue game. Uh, Gators uh, with a lot of momentum right now from uh, the recruiting world, from last year's success, and now we'll see how they do. Uh, they kick off early, earlier than everybody else. That game moved up in August, August 24th, now against the Miami Hurricanes, game being played down in Orlando, and they'll be the feature game that Saturday night uh, on ESPN. I believe it's a 7 o'clock kick for that one, which also creates another buy for the Florida Gators, too, which I know coaches love that stuff. Uh, I don't know if you can have too many of those, so you can take no. a look at and and. and you know, fix some of the mistakes and get the practices going a little bit more. Especially, you know, talking about the Miami team, too, who are, we don't really know what Miami's going to bring to the yeah, table, you know, but, but it's still going to be a, a really big game for Florida. Obviously, coming off that big win against Michigan, I get it. It's the bowl season, so maybe players aren't playing 100%, and, you know, some players are were out for Michigan, but it was still an impressive victory. So uh, Florida's going to look to obviously beat Miami here, start the season off strong, and, hey, anytime you play in the SEC Conference, uh, Every single win is going to be, you know, comes at a price. So hopefully they can get together. Yeah, this uh, it's going to be an unbelievable opening game for all the area teams, really, if you think about it. Florida State, it's a critical game for them to get off to a good start. They're playing right here in Jacksonville against Boise State. If they lose that game, whoa, right? I mean, can you only imagine the noise coming out of Tallahassee and beyond uh, around the Florida State program and Willie Taggart? And then, like you said, Manny Diaz, who knows what to expect from Miami? I mean, he's behind the eight ball a little bit, late uh, 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 resigned from uh, Mark Richt. Uh, so Manny Diaz steps in there and now has to play catch-up. Uh, they've got talent down in Miami, but how much talent do they have and, and, and what does is, what is their team even look like? I don't even think anybody in Hurricane Land knows that. <laughs> Uh, and then the Gators will have a little bit more pressure on them in that game because of the success that they've had. They'll be expected to beat the Miami Hurricanes and, and probably beat them pretty good. So uh, lots to talk about college football-wise as we get rolling on into the spring games, and uh, we'll do much more of it uh, from Gainesville to Tallahassee, even up in Athens and, of course, down uh, in South Florida as well. When we come back, you know the man, Sal Palantonio, will join us. More Nick Foles conversation. And a little bit later on the show, I want to talk about Blake Bortles. What now for Blake Bortles? How will you remember Blake Bortles in a Jags uniform? But up next, live from the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass, we stick with some football. Nick Foles is coming to Jacksonville. What does it mean, and what can Sal Palantonio tell us about? Oh, the pulled off. The Philly Special a couple of years ago to become the Super Bowl MVP. That's next Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, welcome back live from the Players' Championship. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane. Sal Palantonio from ESPN scheduled to join us in just a little bit. Hope to have him soon. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, uh, on Twitter or Twitch, apologies, we lost the uh, power for a moment on the video side of things. Um, so we're figuring it all out. <laughs> hey, you know what? You just roll with it, uh, especially when you're on location. The wind's howling at times. 
I really hate for the listener if the wind's blowing so much that uh, you can't really hear us, but we're trying to block as much of it as we can. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, it's fun uh, fun being out here, uh, but some some of the elements you have to deal with uh, at, at times. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying the coverage, and hopefully you'll come on out to the Players' Championship and enjoy the beautiful weather. You know, it's actually chilly where we are because we're not in the sun. Like yeah. yesterday, we are sweating oh, in the sun. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a... Both extremes, you know, the past two days. But honestly, I would take this over being in the sun all day because yesterday I was sweating, as you saw, Brent. So this, this, this is a. Uh this is all good over here. We got balling and falling coming up in a little bit. Another uh, tussle from the NBA with a player and fans. Uh oh, uh, that's not good. Uh, so we'll we'll dive into that. Uh, we also want to get your thoughts, and I'll share some of your thoughts because I put it on social media. You know, Blake Bortles is either going to get traded or released or whatever. Um, I think released, uh, and in the next 24 hours, I believe it will happen. And that means five years, and the Blake Bortles era is over. Uh, what do they mean to Jacksonville? You know, and and how do you remember Blake Bortles? And we've had a lot of comments, uh, good and bad, and, and um, on the field, off the field. Uh, that's what happens uh, when you have kind of the face of the franchise uh, for five years around here. And it, there were a lot of uh, lows, but a couple of highs in there too. Uh, thinking about some of the good plays and and then sometimes not so great plays of Blake Bortles. Uh, to that point, uh, we're going to get Sal. Sal Palatonio from ESPN on just a bit, we hope. But uh, what are your thoughts on Blake? How, how do you think he'll be rem- remembered around here? And I always hate yeah. saying it that way. He's not dead. He's no, just probably no. going to play football somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, do you want it from how I'm going to remember him from my perspective for a second? Absolutely. Quick story. So uh, I'll never forget. So, you know, obviously, like, when, when I stopped playing football and everything, like, I watched the Jacksonville Jaguars because, you know, I bought a house in Jacksonville. So... Um, you know, those are the games that are on, and obviously I still hold Jacksville dear to my heart, so obviously I was cheering for the Jaguars. I still had some friends on the team and whatnot. So it must have, it would have been the 2016 season, and, you know, he obviously threw a couple pick sixes uh, dur- during that span in 2016. And I was never the fan to yell at a TV, and I was never the fan to really, you know, get intense or anything like that. I mean, I would just casually watch the games or whatnot, and if they lost, that sucked, and if they won, that'd be awesome. You know, I'd never be like... I guess you'd call it a diehard. Well, I remember, for whatever reason, being invested in 2016 season a lot, and it was one of the first times I was actually watching the game with my son, who at the time, I guess, would have been like two and a half years old. So he's watching the game with me, and uh, I want to say the Jaguars were playing the Houston Texans, and it was it was in ja- uh, Jacksonville. And uh, for whatever uh, for whatever reason, I kind of lost it uh, during the game because Bortles threw. I want to say it was like his his second pick six in like two games or something like that, where he threw a pick six. And uh, for whatever reason, I just lost, and I go, "What the f?" You know, but obviously I didn't say f. I said something else. Oh, you said right, it. right, 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 yeah, right, right in front of my son. And uh, you know, I think my wife was upstairs. And my wife goes, "What? What was that?" And she comes running down. I'm like, "Well, I'm like, what do you want me to do? You threw another pick six. Like it's not my fault." And then she just kind of looked at me like my wife did, and she's just like, I don't even know who you are anymore. So, like, uh, I, I guess I could blame Blake Bortles for turning me into, a, I guess, a, <laughs> you'd call it a fanatic more than a fan. But, um, you know, Blake was really another guy I had a lot of interaction with, obviously, because by the time he got to Jacksonville, I was on my way out. So I never got to interact with the guy a lot. Um, I saw him in past a couple times, would say what's up, you know, and he was, he was really cool to me then. But, you know, take, take the quarterback play aside from for a second. And you want you want to talk about someone as a human being. Every interaction I ever had with you know with Blake Bortles, I mean, he was he was a cool dude. 
You know, and I think the entire city of Jacksonville would agree. And, and that's why, you know, everyone's like, well, it's time for Bortles to move on. And I get that. But I think there's also a part of the fan base who's going to be sad to see him leave. Not really per se as the player so much as just the person, you know, because he, he was a guy who was active in, in the community. And, and granted, he's got this, you know, rep, reputation of going to beach bars, but also with his charity work as well. You know, so he was a guy who's always in the community. I felt like he treated Jacksonville with respect. Um, I felt like he, he loved Jacksonville a lot. You know, and that, that can't be said for every single quarterback, you know. So sometimes quarterbacks aren't in the community. They're not active. And, and Bortles was always that type of dude. So from from just a person perspective, you know, I mean, I always say the ultimate compliment is to have someone come up to you and say, I want to have a beer with you. I wouldn't mind having a beer with Blake Bortles. Yeah, well, he's definitely that guy. And I do think, by the way, the whole beach bar thing always got played up way too much. Um, I, I Listen, did the guy go have a drink or two or, or whatever he lived at the beach i mean i i think that i think it became a legend at times i think there were probably times but it, it evolved into something that i thought was really unfair at least from everything i could gather and we we looked into it but don't you think in this day and age if he was out on a wednesday night a thursday night in season you know what that we would have pictures all over the place and we would have been able to find you know i just well, thought it got a little carried away with the whole beach bar See, sure the guy the guy's 23 24 years old 25 years old likes yeah. to go out he's single at the time all those things um i mean i can see him out there but i think there's a difference between going out there you know potentially in april than there is in the middle of the season on like a Wednesday night or, or a Thursday night, a game week. And, and, and it's another thing, too, and, it, and I'm not saying it's right, but there is a – when it comes to being the quarterback, it's almost like a double standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, hey, I, I was no stranger to, to the beach bars myself when I played for Jacksonville <laughs> I mean, Jaguars. That was okay. you know, I was probably out there more than anybody uh, <laughs> when I played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I actually, you know, made a lot of friends and whatnot. But, you know, when it comes to the quarterback, obviously there's that double standard because, A, you know, you're the face of the franchise. B, you're, you're considered the general, the leader of the team. So did some of that scrutiny with him going out to the bars and whatnot, um, was it kind of overblown? I honestly think so because guess what? I know other quarterbacks that have gone out to the bars too. But, you know, Jacksonville just happens to be maybe a, a, a smaller city and whatnot, especially, you know, when you're at the beach, there's not a lot of places to go at the beach. You know, there's, there's, there's a select few. Uh, so from that perspective, I feel like, you know, the, the whole drinking thing got overblown a little bit. Um, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, either he, he goes out to the beach bars and has a couple and was social, or he has a couple at his home. I mean, what's really a difference at the end of the day? Yeah, well, Blake Bortles, I think, uh, again, I think it's going to be the end of the Blake Bortles era in the matter of, of hours, probably, uh, in, in the next day or so. And uh, we did this story for television, but I think it will translate okay for radio as well. So I wanted you to take a listen to kind of the look back that we did on Blake Bortles' five-year career in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Blake Bortles. 2014 was now a long time ago. The next franchise quarterback hopeful was drafted third overall. Blake Bortles at times looked the part. Robinson right there, wide open, touchdown, Jacksonville. In 2015, five touchdowns against Tennessee en route to a franchise single-season record of 35 touchdown passes. That was second most in the NFL that year. He also was sacked 51 times and threw 19 interceptions, most in the NFL that year. That's intercepted. Josh Norman has a Panther pick six. That season told the story of Blake Bortles' career in a Jags uniform. Durable. He never missed a snap due to injury, 
in his entire Jags career. On the run, needs the 26. He's got his receiver. It is caught. It's a touchdown. A playmaker at times. First down, Bortles setting up screen. He's intercepted. And it's going to be a pick six for Chris Jones. Bortles also was a catastrophic negative play in waiting. 74 interceptions and 28 lost fumbles. Outside of the polarizing play, everyone wanted it to work for BB5. Bortles' persona fit the franchise and the city. A millionaire QB who could be funny and seem to relate to those who paid to watch him. I don't know. Yeah, I got to be a better tackler. I don't I just work here, man. Oh, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a football town that, that loves their Jaguars, especially when they're playing well. And, you know, I don't have a problem having a conversation with somebody at the door. He was the significant other that you broke up with every other month. You wanted it to work so badly, but deep down, you kind of knew it wouldn't. Bortles was the QB punching bag for opposing players and analysts. The NFL punchline at times. But it was Blake who punched back last year. A December stretch of football that was his best ever. Floating one, he is open, and that is a Jacksonville touchdown! Then, outdueling Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, and almost Tom Brady in New England in the AFC Championship game. Still with Bortles, Bortles locks in, and it's caught by Mercedes Lewis! That led to a much-criticized contract extension. One validated in the first month of this season. Portals, good time, walks Everything changed in Kansas City. A five-turnover game that sent this season into a spiral as another fluttering pass was picked. And that led to an interception. In his career in Jacksonville, Portals survived two coaches, Tom Coughlin, three coordinators, and just about as many offensive line combinations as turnovers he committed. Bortles didn't have a lot of consistency around him, and he never could find it as a quarterback either. Five years after it started, the Blake Bortles experiment in Jacksonville is over. Yeah, and we expect that to become official, of course, uh, in the next day or so, or sometime this week at the latest. Uh, by the way, you can catch the story, the video edition of that, on our YouTube channel, Action Sports Jacks, on Facebook as well. It's all over Action Sports Jacks, ESPN 690, uh, Action News Jacks. Uh, so, uh, Blake Bortles' career in five years. And we'll continue to talk a little bit more about Blake. Uh, I think especially more tomorrow when... I expect the news to happen. I really expect we'll find something for sure uh, tomorrow when the league year begins. But uh, more from Blake, and we have a lot of comments on social media, and we'll share some of those uh, throughout uh, the rest of the day today and also uh, the rest of the week when it comes to Blake Bortles because there's a lot of good things, and it'll always be linked to that AFC Championship game. It'll always be linked to the kind of the cool guy uh, here in town. He fit. I've really said this before. Very few players fit a city all the time. Blake Bortles fit this city, man. He was perfect for this city. If he could have just had a few less turnovers and a few more touchdowns, uh, he would have been here a long, long time. This place would have would have really embraced him. More to come on ESPN 690. We're trying to catch up with Sal Palantonio. Uh, we hope to do that in the next segment. But uh, stay tuned. More Nick Foles conversation and more from the Players' Championship on TPC Sawgrass. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin along with Austin Lane. Justin Coos are back there pushing buttons. Coos in the house. Hey, we've got some uh, news to pass along on the NFL, just the latest in terms of the rumors and, and what's coming out. Uh, by the way, Hall of Fame game uh, will be the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons up there in Canton, Ohio. Uh, maybe next year we get the Hall of Fame game uh, because of Tony Baselli. Let's hope uh, that happens down the road. Field Yates is saying there's an AFC North team that's inquiring about Odell Beckham Jr.'s availability. Would you surmise it might be the Steelers? You would think it would be the Steelers, but the way the Cleveland Browns are spending, man, and stacking up their team, who knows? Adam Schefter also saying that uh, LaMarcus Joyner, four-year, $42 million deal uh, to stay with, uh, to... uh, Go to the Raiders. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, former Ram, LaMarcus Joyner, um, Florida State Seminole, uh, going to the Raiders. Roger Saffold, uh, Rams offensive lineman, is going to the Tennessee Titans. How good is that offensive line in Tennessee? They keep stacking Pretty up. Legit. They want to play power football. And yeah. Derrick Henry's got a line to run behind, doesn't he? Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, so those are some of the bigger deals happening uh, right now, I'm trying to catch up on just some of <laughs> so well, much going so on. But, yeah, so uh, the Anthony on. Barr story is is really the most fascinating of the free agency period. It The reports were the Jets had to deal with him, and then he ends up staying in Minnesota. He, kinda, he either got cold feet or he changed his mind or the reports were wrong or, or something. But uh, <laughs> he ends up staying uh, in Minnesota. What do the Jags do next? Uh, and, and I will tell you this. The Jags... I don't think they make a splash here. I don't think there's another splash. Nick Foles was their splash. Uh, I don't think... I really don't see Golden Tate happening. I think that someone's going to overpay for Golden Tate, and I don't think it will be the Jags. So I don't think in the next two days you're going to hear of a Jag acquisition. Mm-hmm. I do think once we get closer to the weekend and early next week and, and some time goes by, you are going to start seeing the mid-level free agents. And, and, you know, you could still see that. What I'm talking about is not a blockbuster. And, and the, all the money going out to these guys, the Jags are not doing that with anyone else. With the exception, I say, of potentially Golden Tate, although I still feel like that's not happening. Uh, I, I don't feel like the Jags will want to ante up the amount of money that I think Golden Tate is going to demand seeing the dollars fly around the way they're flying around this free agency period. You know, uh, th- there's a few names out there that I'm kind of intrigued by, I guess you would say. Uh, you know, as far as offensive weapons, let's start at the running back position here. Tevin Coleman's a guy we've been hearing, you know, a name thrown out a lot. That would be a splash play. It would be a splash play for sure. Um, I think the way the NFL's built now, I mean, unless you're like an Ezekiel Elliott, and even Todd Gurley was was getting spells for a while towards the end where, you know, they had C.J. Anderson come in from a little bit. But I think that was more due to injury than anything. But, you know, you see a lot of successful teams, you know, like the Patriots where they have James White as that third down back. Uh, even like the Saints, you know, they had Ingram. Uh, obviously, Ingram's going to be gone now, but then they had Elvin Kamara to spell him a little bit. So I think any time that you can you, you can get like a third down back um, in an offense, it's only going to help you, especially with Leonard Fournette's, you know, injury history and whatnot. Um, maybe keep him on a pitch count a little bit, you know. So obviously, when you're talking about a third down back, Tevin Coleman is the premier name in that group. Uh, honestly, think that the Falcons are going to try to keep him. I thought he did pretty well last year as a featured back. It's not really his game, but he stepped up for money when he needed to be. And especially uh, with the price tag, too, that could be pretty expensive. But another guy who I find intriguing that no one's really talking about, and I understand that he's probably tied to the team, but you never know, Darren Sproles. 
Uh, How do you feel about Darren Sproles? I feel like he's old. He is old. He, he's coming off an injury, obviously. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, again, I, these name the name excites me, but so like Adrian Peterson's name is being floated around with Jacksonville too. Yeah, and it's like, okay, the name that's a good name, but I know that they're old guys that don't have the game they once did. So don't true. get. But, I mean, it, you get lost in. I mean, they just you know the Jamal Charles thing that they tried middle of the year. You're like, oh, okay, maybe that could be something. It well, doesn't usually work out. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. With Sproles, it obviously be a prove-it deal. So I think you could get him on the cheap. Yeah. Uh, but he'd be, I'm okay with trying he, stuff like that. Yeah, he'd that's be okay. an interesting third down back. It's not a guy you have to put really on punt returns and kickoff returns. You don't have to worry about that. Just put him as a third down back. Get him, you know, maybe 10, 12 plays a game. Um, because once he gets the ball in space, Brent, he is a game changer. And I understand he's up there in age and whatnot, coming off injuries. But when he was healthy, uh, even the, you know, the past year, he still showed some promise. So from the running back position, those are the only two names that kind of stand out to me. Obviously, there's Mark Ingram. Uh, I think Murray actually just got signed by somebody. So I think Latavius Murray might be off the That's table. That's the one that we talked about last year, Yeah, I think it was, when he was a free agent. And this year, too. Would, uh, that's a guy that's, if you look at some of the numbers Murray's put up, I kind of like the idea of him. I think he's a good pass catcher. Yeah. And, and and I think he was like his average yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken, were like 4.1 or something like that last year and, and somewhat limited reps. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They, those old guys, the running back position can be found, right? And it can be – it's all about if the offensive line can do their thing. And yeah. we know this. Leonard Fournette's – he's the workhorse. Yep. So he has to stay healthy. He has to play well. They've got Thomas Rawls right now. They'll bring in somebody else. And then do they find, whether it's Sproles or not, to your point, do they find that that change of pace guy? Well, and, that, 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 and that's with, exactly what they need. You know, they if, need that third down. T.J. Yeldon was a good third down back. Now, he left here unheralded, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a good third down back because he knew pass protection, and he could catch, and he could fill in in the running game. He was a very valuable player. If it didn't end so poorly, I'd probably advocate for T.J. Yeldon to come back. Sure. Absolutely. And then with Thomas Rawls, too, you know, he's he's more like a north-to-south runner. He's, he's not really a third down back. He's a guy that's going to lower his shoulder, try to get you those four or five yards a, a gain. So I think they're set at that position, but it's always nice to have a change of pace back, especially with the, with the offenses at the NFL running. And I think with the offense that the Jaguars might implement, too, where I might get into a little later um, of offenses that Foles has really succeeded in, Actually, has a lot to do with Chip Kelly, not just because he was a coach for one year, but actually because the Super Bowl as well when Foles uh, was MVP. I'll get into that later, though. That somehow relates to Chip Kelly? It does relate to Chip Kelly. Really? Yep. Brent, I was doing some homework last night, man. I had a little free time. You teased me a little bit. Yep, so we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, Do you have a brother? No, I'm an only child. Oh, on Twitter you might because the A-Train25 tweeted at us. Okay. (laughs) What, what, What do you have to say? The eight grade twenty five. Interesting. <laughs> he was talking about uh, uh, the the situation yep. with Bowl, uh, Bortles and how they uh, how they'll be remembered in Jacksonville. Uh, right now, we are uh, pleased to be joined by ESPN Sal Palantonio. Uh, Sal, welcome along and aboard the show. You might hear some wind because we're at the Players Championship live at TPC Sawgrass. So hopefully, you can bear with us on that. But uh, thanks for giving us a buzz. Love that place. <laughs> yeah, hey, we love it too. How can you not? Uh, well, you wrote a book in the last year uh, with Nick Foles, Philly Special, and I think uh, did I hear that there's an audio uh, book now available for it? There is an audio book, uh, Philly Special, the inside story of the Eagles won their first Super Bowl championship, and uh, we put we put Nick Foles on the cover up because Nick Foles 
Uh, without without Nick Foles, that Super Bowl doesn't happen. Absolutely, and and you know obviously we know his play, and he was so big in that game. He's a Super Bowl MVP. But I want to take what you just said, and, and can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think it what you mean is he meant a lot more, not only just on the field, but inside that locker room. And in the town itself. Uh, Nick Foles is beloved here for a, lot of, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, being the Super Bowl MVP for the first Super Bowl championship for the Philadelphia Eagles, a town that uh, had been starving for one for so long, but also because of the kind of person that he is and the kind of leader that he is. You know, uh, Nick Foles is, in my view, one of the best players ever to play the game in terms of his leadership ability. Um, he's, he's a real salt-of-the-earth guy. He gets along with players in meaningful ways. He's faith-based. Um, he is family-based. And if he does, in fact, sign with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, what looks like it's going to happen, uh, the people who follow the Jaguars and are close to the Jaguars, and Tom Coughlin and, and Doug Marone and that whole locker room, they're, they're going to get a high-quality guy who is, uh, I believe, going to be a winner for that team. Brent Martineau along with uh, former Jags player Austin Lane here on ESPN 690 uh, with ESPN Sal Palantonio who recently wrote a book about the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles called Philly Special. Uh, you can check out the book. That's been out for a bit. I think we still have Sal Palantonio with us. I think uh, we lost for a minute. Uh, the wind is blowing and obviously it blew the uh, signal right off uh, here at the Players' oh. Championship at TPC Sawgrass. <laughs> so uh, thanks for hanging. I didn't know what happened either, Sal. Uh, we're just rolling with the punches here, so I appreciate your patience. Um, but I, I don't know if you heard my last question, but I basically we've heard about how good of a leader he is. You just talked about that, too. How long do you think it will take for the city of Jacksonville, the fans, to kind of feel his presence here uh, You know, when he officially signs? Right away. I mean, it's not too many times you get a Super Bowl MVP walking through the door, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, and Nick is a very charismatic guy in a very understated way. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's definitely not a look-at-me guy. Uh, he believes in sharing his success and taking blame for failure. Um, he, he really is a special, special guy. And Jacksonville's going to love him. And I'll tell you what, I think he's going to have instant success. And he's going to transform that offense. He and John Filippo, your new offensive coordinator, who I know very, very well. No doubt they'll run some RPOs, some run-pass options. And he'll make the offensive line instantly better because he gets the ball out Tom Brady-like, 2.5 seconds from snap to throw. And you won't have to protect him. He's not going to stand back there and pat it and pat it and pat it. He's going to get rid of the football. He's got good touch on the ball. He's going to make everybody around him better. That's good stuff, and I think that's information and, and uh, you know, kind of music to the ears of Jags fans. I mean, this is an offense that, listen, I've been around here more than a decade, Sal, and it's been kind of boring for the most part. It had its moments, of course, a couple of years ago where they finished top ten in the league, uh, and Blake Bortles had a very nice run at times, especially in December and through the playoffs. But overall, it's been a predictable kind of boring offense. And the one thing I continue to hear about John DiFilippo, who you mentioned, the Jags' new offensive coordinator, is he is fun. Uh, guys that we've talked to <laughs> that have played under uh, John DiFilippo, is this a fun offense? 
uh, it'll open up a little bit. Sure, everything plays off the play action. The entire league plays off the play action. You want to be able to run the ball, but DiFilippo's offense, I think, will be entertaining. Do you agree? Well, John has a photographic memory, and he's super brilliant. Uh, it was John DiFilippo who really worked out Carson Wentz at his pro day at North Dakota State and convinced the Eagles to draft Carson Wentz. And it was it was John DiFilippo who really resuscitated Nick Foles' career uh, and, and, and season during the Super Bowl championship year uh, with the run-pass option late, late in the playoff run. So John's a super smart guy. He's not afraid to take risks. Um, he's a great, great coach of quarterbacks. But he won't have to do too much coaching with Nick Foles because they're really on the same page. And everything that they've done in the past, I'm sure that they will bring to Jacksonville. It'll be a much more wide-open offense. What, you scored 15 points a game last year? <laughs> you got that uh, right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if you can get up at about 22-23, you know, if you can increase it by a touchdown the first season, that's going to be a dramatic improvement. You know, I look at free agency, and I always look at two things. Are you making a dramatic improvement within your team, and are you making a dramatic improvement within your division? And I think within your team, yes. I think the only thing that's different uh, two years ago when you're on the doorstep of the Super Bowl is that the division has gotten a lot, a lot, more competitive. Luck is healthy. Frank Reich is with him in Indianapolis. Mike Vrabel has brought a sense of discipline to Tennessee. Houston is obviously better than they were a couple of years ago. So it'll be a much more competitive situation that Nick Foles is walking into. And luckily you have a guy. Nick Foles is not a rookie. He's a 30-year-old man and uh, he's been through a lot. And there's not much more you can throw at him. So but the big thing to watch is snap, throw, ball out, 2.5 seconds, going to make your offensive line better, going to make your wide receivers better, going to make your running game better. Sal, from I guess from you know from a from a standpoint of a head coach, I feel like Nick Foles is a great decision maker and he has accuracy. So those are two key things in the RPO offense. Now. I look at the Jaguars' offense here, and I don't necessarily see all the cogs yet, all the key pieces to run that all, you know, to run the, the RPO offense. Do you think it could be some kind of hybrid offense where they still run that power run game a little bit, or do you think they're going to go right away, run the, the RPO kind of what they ran in Philly a little bit, um, assuming that they get the right pieces in the draft and maybe in free agency? Well, if you study what the Eagles did in the championship season, it was an amalgam of both those things because you had LeGarrette Blunt on the team. You had Jay Ajayi on the team. So you could run a power running game. Now, you're not going to run a power eye, but you could have a power power run game. You could have two tight end sets, and you can run the ball when you need to, Tom Coughlin style or Doug Marone style for sure. But you've got to have the other thing to offset it. And I'm sure that they'll go out and get more pieces to try to augment what they want to do. Um, so, you know, the, you, went, you went back and you said, you know, he's been very accurate. The one thing with Nick now, especially if you go back and look at it, he, he has thrown some bad interceptions. And uh, there have been times, like in that New Orleans game in the second quarter, I know he wants to have that throwback. 
because they were up 14 to nothing, and uh, that was a big momentum changer in that divisional round of the playoffs there in New Orleans, allowed New Orleans to come back. So there have been times when I'm not we're not talking about Blake Bortles like we're just saying there have been there have been occasions where Nick will throw a pick. South Palantonio with us here on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville. We're live at the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass, and we appreciate Sal uh, checking in on the Nick Foles front. Obviously, South Palantonio knows the Philadelphia Eagles just about as good as anybody uh, out there knows Nick Foles and that championship team from a couple of years ago and recently wrote a book called The Philly Special, and now it's available as an audio book as well. Sal, we're going to wrap up one more question for you. The You mentioned he's beloved in Philadelphia. How difficult of a decision do you think this was for the Philly organization or was there one? They've got a fantastic young quarterback it looks like in Carson Wentz as well. And the piggyback to that question, Sal, is do you think the fan base is torn at all between Carson Wentz and Nick Foles? Well, I can tell you flat out the fan base is torn. And Nick, Nick Foles, you know, in my view, in my view, and I know there will be people that will disagree with this, I think Nick Foles goes down as the greatest player in Eagles history. I mean, nobody else won the Super Bowl MVP. You could argue Chuck McNarick, but that's the list there. And Chuck McNarick played in the early 60s. So, of this generation, Nick Foles is the greatest Eagles player of this generation. He came through in the clutch. He beat Tom Brady 41-33. to the supposed coach of the year, Sean McVay, with Jared Goff, scored three points against pretty much the same defense. So that was a, a performance for the ages. And it will go down as, in my view, the greatest performance in Eagles history. And I tell you, I was just down in Clearwater, taking in some Phillies. And, of course, you're talking to fans. I'm always talking to fans. And the one thing they all wanted to know is, Sal, where's Nicky Touchdown going? Where's St. Nick going? And, uh, you know, people love him and will always love him here. He'll never have to buy a meal in Philadelphia area, that's for sure. Awesome stuff. Very good stuff from Sal Palantonio. Nicky Touchdown, St. Nick. He's headed to Duval. That's where he's going. He's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar for the next four years, and hopefully he can bring the same success to Jacksonville as he brought to Philadelphia. The book is called Philly Special. Check it out and sell. Point people in the direction. Can they get it just about anywhere? Oh, yeah. It's all over Amazon for sure. Now you, now that you've got Nicky Touchdown in, you're going to have to learn all about him, and that means you're going to have to go out and get my book for sure. We are so, doing that. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah. Going, but it, and the other thing it means is, I get to come down to the Marriott Sawgrass and hang out with the uh, and hang out and watch a few Jaguars games this year. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, by the way, we just had a flyover here, Sal. We're bringing it all for you. We've got the wind, we've got the golf, and we've got a flyover right during this interview. It was timed perfectly perfectly how about that <laughs> hey sal thanks for joining us and I, i'm going to get you on again down the road and i hope you can join us because i do want to ask you about tony baselli but this one was all about nick Foles. we'll talk some tony baselli down the road how about that you mean tony baselli that should be in the pro football hall of fame that tony baselli that exact yes, tony baselli and that's why i want to talk to you more about it hopefully we can catch yeah you up call soon. me anytime now that nicky uh, i got more nicknames for nick Foles. In my back pocket. I'll, I'll, I'll bring out another one the next time you have me on, okay? That's awesome. You're awesome, Sal. Thanks for the time. We Thanks, appreciate Sal. it. You got it. 
South Palantonio from ESPN. How good was that on Nick Foles? Jacksonville Jaguars fans, if you want to get bought in on Nick, well, you just heard it from South Palantonio. He's all in on Nick Foles. Let's digest what Sal Palantonio said. Fallen and fallen, stay in your lane. Some golf talk and more Jack's football talk. Coming up here on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back here to TBC Sawgrass, the Players' Championship. We just had a flyover. Man, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Of course, there. Well, you know, I kind of forgot. We're Military Appreciation Night is tonight. And so it's right, if you're watching us on the video uh, portion, it's some 300 yards behind us. Uh, the 17th hole is, is that away. <laughs> I'm pointing behind us. And, but we're only a few hundred yards away. Now, we've got headsets on. I don't know if they just played the national anthem and then had the flyover. They may have. Uh, we're not right. We can't see what's going on with the military appreciation. But it was scheduled for 5 to 5.30. So I don't think that was a practice run is my point. I think that was <laughs> the full deal, uh, which was awesome uh, but untimed uh, for us. And... Uh, uh, you got a little bit of everything. Appreciate your patience, by the way. Uh, been a little bit windy here at times at TPC Sawgrass, and uh, knocked us off a couple of times, including that one time uh, with with uh, Sal Palantonio. But he was kind enough to hang in there. And I'll tell you what, this is not a a uh, boy. Did we just ask the greatest questions? And that was an unbelievable interview type of thing. Uh, this is not a pat on the back. This is a that was a very informative interview from Sal Palantonio. Uh, if you wanted to get a glimpse of Nick Foles, we got one earlier with Nolan Carroll, who played with him in 2014. And Sal Palantonio is a Philly guy, you know? Yeah. And w his strong comments about Nick Foles, I thought were, I mean, tremendous. Agree or not agree, no, his I mean, takes were, were tremendous. No, he was very passionate. It's almost like they have, like, a timeshare together or something <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he was, uh, he was very pro-Foles and... Uh, Hey, we'll, we'll have to see how it pans out in Jacksonville, you, but very high praise. You know what's interesting? From Here's the deal on Foles, okay? If you if you say, like, when Blake Bortles comes to town, right, and you say, oh, I can see he's a Jacksonville guy, he's a Duval guy, you meet him for a moment, you know, you hear him in interviews, and you're like, yeah, that guy fits in. <laughs> uh, you give me an athlete, like, uh, uh, well, I guess you know, even like Calais Bryce Campbell. Har okay, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Bryce Harper. Okay, that's good. Going Bryce Harper going to Philly, yeah. and you're like, I know what this this guy has a flair to him, right? He's got, he's got, uh, he likes to have fun. He'll be a little controversial at times. He's, he's going to be a, but he's a star material. Mm -hmm. What I see from Nick Foles, outside looking and never met the guy, haven't really covered the guy, from the TV interviews, from his play, from just what we've seen of him as a quarterback and in that role. I just don't get this, oh, my gosh, we're going to fall in love with Nick Foles' kind of vibe. This guy's going to be unbelievable. What a leader he is. And what a man. I mean, this guy's going to be all over the place in the community. And Philadelphia, of all people, the Eagles fans, he's beloved in Philadelphia. Now, I get it. The Super Bowl helps that. I understand. Man, uh, that makes a difference. <laughs> but, but still, Philadelphia fans also smart enough. They've got, they've got Carson Wentz, too. You know? I mean, they've fallen in love with this guy so much that they were – some people willing to kick Carson Wentz to the curb for him. So my point is, I just don't, uh, I don't get that feel from the outside looking in on Foles. And so that makes me very intrigued for Thursday when he gets introduced and when we start covering Foles and when you start hearing from him. 
to see what this guy's all about and if that comes across. Now, every guy we talk to about Foles also says it's kind of a quiet, cool demeanor, kind of almost unassumed. Yes. Which also makes it even that much more interesting and intriguing about his role in the locker room that he can be such a good leader. You know, the two exactly. don't correlate to me, at least from my mind. And uh, I'm willing, to, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating and waiting to see now what that looks like up close and personal. Well, another big thing I took away from the interview, too, with Sal is the fact that the whole RPO offense, you know, I mean, Sal's very adamant that the Jaguars are going to turn it up a little bit. They're going to go with a more high, fast-paced offense, as we're opposed to seeing, you know, in Jacksonville. So something to obviously keep an eye on, keep your eye on, too, especially, you know, I think Coughlin came out and said, um, when we caught up with him saying that, you know, there are going to be some changes to the offensive playbook and whatnot. So it'll, it's interesting to see where, where they go from there as well. Where did the sun come from? I don't know. It feels good, though. I mean, now it's out. How it about that? Good. Now it's going to get hot. We've, we've escaped the shade right now here at the uh, 17th Hole Replica, which is kind of where we were on Friday, by the way. Um, but uh, people coming in and out for Military Appreciation Night here at the Players' Championship. John Pardee, country singer, uh, will be performing in about 20 minutes uh, right there by the 17th hole. Let's get the ball on and fall. We'll have a lot to catch up on now. Uh, but uh, let's start with ballin'. What you got? Uh, I got to go with Ronnie the Rocket O'Sullivan. <laughs> uh, Where do you find he's, uh, he's done something. <laughs> Brent, before you start hating, he's done something in, in, his, in his sport that no one has ever done before. The Rocket is the first to reach over a thousand century breaks in the game of snooker. Which is pretty impressive. Uh, what is snooker? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Snooker is basically like pool. But uh, the whole thing with a century mark is if you knock over 25 consecutive balls in the hole, uh, you get a century. So there's been a report around 20,000 centuries reported in tournament play when it comes to snooker. And uh, now officially the Rocket owns 120th of all the centuries ever uh, amassed. So, Ronnie the Rocket, first guy to, to break the 1,000 century mark in the game of snooker. Ronnie, we're proud of you, man. Uh, you know me, I, I'm a giant snooker junkie, so I can't wait to watch him this up-and-coming season, Brent. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, I appreciate man. that. I mean, I wasn't going to live without that one. We're, we're covering all sports here at ESPN 6. All right, I'm going to do a quick ballin'. Ballin' uh, is the Ed White High School Commanders. Some of the folks, uh, from some of the students from Ed White High School were out here yesterday at the Players' Championship. And uh, one of the kids, and I don't have his name, and I kind of wish I did. Uh, I definitely wish I did. Let's see if, does it say? Nah, I can't find his name. But he was juggling with Rory McIlroy out here. Did you oh, see the I saw video? That. I did see that, yeah. That very was pretty impressive. cool, man. Yeah. And then, I mean, he was good at it, too. Yep. Yep. And I didn't know Rory McIlroy could do that, too. Yep. So a nice little moment right around this area where we are at yesterday at the Players' Championship. Rory McIlroy, one of the game's greats, uh, mingling with some local high school kids uh, from Ed White. And uh, they had a lot of fun, nice little memory to hang on to. That's what's cool about it. You know, I think we take it, this for granted sometimes. This is a massive global event in our backyard. And I think the Players' Championship does such a nice job of making it feel like it's a massive event. Yet it also feels like it's our hometown event. And that's a tough thing to do. That sounds like, oh, yeah, that's easy. No, I don't think it is. It's like <laughs> yeah. making the Super Bowl feel like a Jaguars game. And you can't. Like, you couldn't do that. Nope. So the 
I'm sure there's a joke to spin off that that I just said, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say anything, Brent. You, you got it, though, man. I was trying to think of one real quick, and I just couldn't come up with it that crafty and, and quickly. But uh, but anyway, uh, the, the Ed White uh, kids mixing it up and juggling a little bit with Warren Mackerel, I thought was a pretty cool moment. That's balling for sure. Like, really balling. No, hey, before we get to balling. Super impressive. Uh, Gary's on the line. I don't want to keep him waiting too long. So let's get to Gary. Uh, he's been hanging on for a bit. Wants to talk a little bit about Foles and I think even Tiger Woods. What's up, Gary? Hey, guys. Did uh, Sal Palantonio ever think of Tommy McDonald for crying out loud? He did win the championship in 60 for the Eagles. Uh, that was what? That would have been the AFL? I don't know. I guess well, before the merger. But, I mean, for, for talking about greatest Eagles, and not even mention Tommy McDonald for crying out loud. Well, listen, I think his point was the fact that the championship, you know, and that Super Bowl run and the MVP and – um, I, know, I just, I just wanted to give Sal Powell a hard time. I know you did. Uh, uh, listen, hey, listen, it's a, it's tough to argue with Sal Powell when it comes to Philadelphia sports. That guy knows. Yeah. Oh yes, he does. Hey, I want to thank the Jags for, uh, for signing Foles because that's one less competition for the Dolphins to get Lock or uh, Haskins. I'll take either one in the draft. Hey, do you think, Gary, let me ask you this. You call in about the Dolphins quite a bit. Uh, do you think the Dolphins will trade up to try to get Haskins? Do you think they have the capital and the uh, wherewithal to say, I'm going all in on a guy like Haskins. I don't want to sit around for Locke. It depends on what they're asking for at number five, Tampa, as opposed to, I think, what, what Detroit wants today. But I think uh, I think Floyd's is going to come away with one of them. Uh, you know, you make, you're talking about Tiger, though. You know, Brent, I know you know golf real well in Austin, though. Uh, probably to a degree, but I know you call it a lot, Brad. <laughs> no, no, I'm not in, trying to insult you, Austin, but I mean... Oh, no. I'm not saying that. That was Gary, a compliment. Gary, Gary, you just said you might know a little bit. That was a compliment. Yeah, he couldn't even a, make his way out here. That was a diehard compliment, Gary. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> but, 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 Brad, I'm sure you know about, you know, in 06 after Tiger got his knee operator on, the, the drug testing started on the PGA Tour. You know, you know the whispers about... Tiger and PEDs, and then his body started to break down after that. I'm sure you heard the rumors about that, right, over the years? Yeah, you know what I think? I think the uh, Tiger, when it comes to that stuff, uh, I think will always be linked in terms of the way... You remember how, like, Michael Jordan, when he took the absence to go play baseball and got away yeah. from basketball, was linked to gambling? Right. I think it will kind of be like that. And I really don't know if it's the truth or not. And who I don't know if we all will ever know. Well, you, know that we're you, you, know about the, you know about the whispers on the tour, though, about it, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Gary. Um, yeah, I mean, he was talking. Obviously, that was a time frame, too. And even back then where the whole baseball stuff was going on and, and uh, Balco. And there, was, there were some rumors about Tiger Woods. The one thing about the PGA Tour, if you play, if you're a player, player's champ, uh, on the PGA Tour, your business does not get out there very often. They keep everything under wraps. You know how NFL players, Major League yeah. players, everything's out there? Yep. And someone will find out, agents will talk, or someone will talk? Yep. That's not the case here. It's very few items... That if like you don't even know if a guy suspended sometimes. True. I think they might announce that now, but they didn't before. Yeah. Um, there have been some tweaks to it, but the the PGA Tour keeps everything under wraps. Uh, unless your name is John <laughs> Daly, you just uh, get crazy. Well, yeah, unless you have to. But hey, hey, my <laughs> point is, hours? how many things happen to John Daly that we don't know? <laughs> that's a scary thing. You right? know, that's that's the point. All right, time cool. for fall on what you got. All right, we got any dog sledding fans around here? Yeah, yeah, this is a good crowd yeah. for dogs. All right, well, following Yoda Haver, uh, a musical composer and pianist from Wisconsin, had other dreams besides composing music and playing it. 
where he wanted to be a dog slutter, I guess you'd call it. Is that called a musher, Brent, I think, if I'm not mistaken? Musher. A musher, yeah. Well, why, I have no idea. He wanted to pursue that dream, but he did. So he uh, took on the help of Blair Braverman, uh, who's, uh, I guess, a pretty famous musher woman, so I don't know what you'd call that, a mushroomman? Whatever. Uh... <laughs> So everything was going fine. He was. How with, did we get here on he, this show? He was with Blair. Well, just wait, because it's falling. <laughs> Brent, I'm getting to it if you let me finish. So uh, everything was going great on another excursion until day three when he was staying at a lodge and the sled actually tipped over, causing the dogs to r- run away. Uh, thankfully, he was uh, fast-minded and actually grabbed the chains that were connected to a metal hook and uh, tried to, you know, wrangle the dogs in. Well, in doing so actually ripped off his finger uh, where it was only hanging by the skin and that's not the bad part, Brent. So with this excursion, this this dog sledding thing or whatever, uh, listen to what he had to go through here. So, lost his finger, he had to take a 63-mile snowmobile ride to get to an ambulance and then he had to take a three-hour ambulance ride to get to the hospital. Unbelievable. No, no word if he still has his finger intact or if he lost <laughs> well, you, it. You can't finish that story? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've kind of overstayed my welcome already with you when we're talking about dog sledding. But, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go to Yodam Haber, who probably is not going to be able to play the piano ever again. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> very true. Fallen indeed. Uh, Mozart, Beethoven, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's on the back burner now for him. <laughs> but I've always been fascinated by the Iditarod. I also yeah. saw a story, this is where I thought you were going with it, that the lead uh, race team, the dogs quit on them. No way. I didn't they just stopped. They were like, hey, I'm out. Really? Peace out. Shark the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, <laughs> and so I don't blame the dogs, but uh, that that thing has always fascinated me. The Iditarod, uh, that whole thing. I mean, that is nuts. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, what's the the endurance running, like where people will run like 150 miles in a you, day yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, what do you think? We're we're not on, Kyle. We're, of course, we're on, Kyle. We're we're talking. What do you think? We're just talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, Kyle here who just stopped by. He was the. Uh, this was the other guy that couldn't find us behind 17. It just took him yeah. two hours to find right. us behind 17. It's pretty hard, right? It's yeah. unbelievable. Yep. I mean, See? just keep walking, people. I'm not just alone. Just keep walking. There, there's it's not literally that hard. zero signs pointing you where to go. Okay. Unbelievable. You can tell a country music star is playing, by the way, that 15 to 18-year-old girls walking in. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of them here at the point. Players' Championship now that the John Party concert is happening uh, momentarily. All right. My Fallen. Kuz, you ready back there? I'm always ready. What's happening to the NBA, man? Yesterday, Brent, easy. And now today, careful where you go on the Russell line. Westbrook, okay. you're falling. The realization of it is, how it started was a um, young, young man and his wife in the stands told me uh, to get down on my knees like he used to. And for me, that's just completely disrespectful. Uh, for me, uh, I think it's racial. Um, I think it's just inappropriate in the sense of um, there's no protection for the players. Um, I think there, there are a lot of great fans around the world that like to come to the game and enjoy the game. And there are people that come to the game and to say me disrespect everything about me, my family. Um, for many years, man, I, I've done all the right things. I've never done anything to hurt or harm anybody. Um, I've never been in any trouble. Uh, never fought a fan. Um, been in the league 11 years. Clean slate. Humble. Uh, I take whatever, all the criticism from everybody. I've been doing the same thing for years. Um, and for me, um, disrespect will not be taken from me. Um, I can, I'm completely 
just sit back sometime and just say it like that's just one video, but throughout the whole game, throughout the whole, since, since I've been here, especially here in Utah, every time I come here, there's a lot of disrespectful things I said, and um, for me, I'm, I'm just not going to continue to take uh, disrespect uh, from my family. Um, I just think that there's got to be something done, there's got to be some consequences for those type of people um, that come to the game just to say and do um, whatever they want to say. And um, I don't think it's fair uh, to the players, not just to me, but I don't think it's fair to the players. Um, and if I had to do it over again, I would say the same exact thing because I, I truly um, will stand up for myself, for my family, for my kids, for my wife, for my mom, for my dad every single time. Um, I expect anybody else to do the same. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with the whole situation. Um, as for... His wife, I, I've never put my hand on a woman. I never will. Um, never been in any domestic violence uh, before, never had before. But once he said the comment, his wife repeated it, the same thing to me as well. So that's kind of how that started. I know you guys only got to tell end of the video, but the start of the video um, is way more important and way more disrespectful than what you guys heard. So appreciate y'all. Well, that's Russell Westbrook. And, and really, you know what? I shouldn't have let into that with my fallen. The situation is really the fallen. I know yeah. I don't fault uh, Russell Westbrook with the except the exception of the, what he just said at the end. You it doesn't matter. You're you know you're in that situation. You know you're in a fishbowl and it stuff like this happens and it should. Uh, again, this is not any defense of the fan. The fan's a, an idiot. And hopefully he gets tickets taken away and all that stuff and I've heard I've seen some stuff all day on it where if you look at that guy's Twitter feed, he said uh, there's a stuff. lot of racist Let's stuff on there. That. There's yeah. a lot of not nice stuff to begin with, whether it's racist or not, uh, even in, in his Twitter feed. So people have gone back and found out this guy's a bad dude. Yep. And uh, I just don't think, you know, in the video, Russell Westbrook, if you, if you haven't seen this, also just said, I'm going to come up there and kick the you know what out of you and your wife which, and, which I thought he kind of crossed the line and, and said his wife and that's what he was talking about at the end there and again that's heat of the moment I don't think he would go physically do that now he might go beat up the guy I don't think he would do that uh, I think that's what he was discussing I wish he didn't phrase it the way he said at the end where I don't apologize for that that's where it all came from you know Yeah. Um, I think he could have handled that part better but the other 99% this that's out of hand you know, and, and I I feel for the player. I think the players get lambasted sometimes by the fans. And it's one thing to get it on social media where you know it's whoever and, and they're not face-to-face -face and they would never say that. In fact, instead they would ask for your autograph instead of say something like that. Yeah. It's another thing to sit in an arena and you're the entertainer. And, yeah, people paid to entertain, but they didn't come pay to throw tomato cans at you. You know? I mean, they didn't do that. You didn't sign up for that. Nope. So I, I don't like that, um, and I'm surprised. Are you surprised at all it's in Utah? Utah's a bad place, I guess. For, <laughs> no, they yeah. say Utah. No, it is, yeah. The Utah Jazz, they say it's a terrible place. It's, it's historically awful yeah. with the fans when it comes to that kind of stuff. So that's my follow-up. The fans, you guys got to be better. We saw a fan come out of the stands and sucker punch a soccer player mm -hmm. over the weekend. We hear this kind of stuff. It's going to escalate. And it's, it's going to escalate, and I don't know if it's always going to be the player's fault. Uh, and it's a bad situation. We saw it years ago in Indiana. Uh, you can't have it. And uh, hopefully something is done about it in Utah. That just leads me, before we take a break, you, you played. You yeah. heard stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, I've heard stuff. I've been down on the sideline before mm-hmm. and heard stuff directed toward players. And I think we see it a little bit with Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette at times going back and forth with people in the crowd. And to their credit, most of the time they're having fun with the person. But you never know. People are intoxicated. People are talking and saying stuff again that they wouldn't say at, at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday uh, in the grocery store, you know? And uh, you've probably heard some stuff that just so, crosses the line. Yeah, so here's why I stand on you know, the, the Westbrook thing. I, I I don't agree with how we call out the, the guy's wife. We, we can both agree that probably wasn't the right thing to do. You yeah, should, you everything else is fine. Just You can't do that. Don't. Yeah. It's like don't don't retaliate from a bad moment from someone else with a bad moment for your own self. You know what I mean? Yeah, so from my perspective, you you know, Brent, I told this story before where I was in Oakland and I uh, tried to go in the stands a little bit and get in a little, I guess you'd call it a little ruckus with one of the fans that was talking crap and truth be told that that fan was actually talking crap to Tyson and listen, when it comes from the fans' perspective, I, I'm all for booing somebody. You can, you know, t- talk about their play, how much they suck. I, the, that's fine. Like, I'm I'm for that. But when you start to get racial, and that's what happened with the whole Tyson thing, that's why I went in the stands in Oakland, and that's why Tucker, uh, you know, kind of had to threaten to bench me if I didn't get back down from the stands. Uh, because, Take me back to that story. Did I miss that? You no, know, I could have swear I told that. So basically what happened was we were in Oakland playing. I think it was, like, my second season. And there was, you know, we're doing, like, the pregame warm-ups and stuff, and there was a fan who was, uh, who was saying some, I'm not going to repeat it, but he was saying some... Not so good stuff uh, to my teammates. Racially insensitive. Yeah, uh, especially uh, Tyson Alualu. You know, Tyson, uh, a guy I have a lot of respect for, and a, and a guy who's not going to say anything. You know, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. Tyson's style. Well, now you me, on the other. Well, end. you know me, man. I'm I can play. Uh, <laughs> I can play with a lot of emotionally charged feelings sometimes. And I heard him say something bad about Tyson, and I turned around and I said, "What was that?" And he said it again. So uh, I kind of went to like you know where you can kind of climb up to the <laughs> to the, the the stands or whatever, and. Uh, I was on my way to climbing up, and Tucker, Mel Tucker, our defensive coordinator at the time, grabbed me by the back of the shirt and said, uh, if you go up there, you're, you're sitting. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to go up there. But I proceeded to, you know, I proceeded to keep on talking to that fan. And my point is this. I'm all for fans talking smack. I mean, the, you guys bought the ticket. By all means, do that. That's, that's what being a fan's all about, I feel like. heckled okay. Yeah, right? but anytime that you bring up a player's, I feel like, religion, his family, or his ethnicity, then we got problems, and then I'm always going to take the player's side, regardless of the retaliation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, I can see why you're, the human element is to react. Like in your case, to protect your buddy, Tyson Alawala, yeah. in that case. Yeah. If it was a family member, you'd protect. Absolutely. So, and that's okay on the street, but it's not okay when you're in, in a game. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. And, you know, and looking back on it, probably not my smartest move, but I was uh, like, I was a little emotional, and I didn't like how they were talking to Tyson, so I wanted to do something about yeah. it. Simple as that. Well, listen, be better, fans. I mean, come yeah. on. You don't need to do all that. I know it's frustrating sometimes, or I know you paid for the ticket. doesn't allow you to do that uh, to other human beings at the very least. Let's go. ESPN 690 continues from the Players' Championship. TPC Sawgrass. We'll get back to some football talk, and we have a little stay in your lane coming up next. Hey, welcome back here to ESPN 690 Action Sports Shacks on the radio. We'll be on TV tonight, by the way. Don't forget to uh, check out our specials coming up from the Players' Championship starting tomorrow night, 11.15 p.m. on CBS 47 and Fox 30, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Of course, only station in town and really probably the only station in the country that does half-hour shows all weekend, all year long. So it will be 
players championship heavy on Saturday and Sunday, 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.30 on CBS 47 as well. So a ton of coverage, and of course we'll mix our players championship coverage with all the Jags news, any more free agency, but really the introduction of Nick Foles uh, here in Jacksonville, which will take place on Thursday. We'll have that covered for you as well. I think it's a busy Thursday uh, with Nick Foles getting introduced and the players championship teeing off uh, round number one. But it's a fun week. Uh, glad to be out here. At the players, Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos is back pushing all the buttons and doing a great job today uh, wrestling with some of the things uh, we've wrestled through. But uh, appreciate you hanging in there. Sal Palantonio was tremendous. Nolan Carroll, uh, fantastic on Nick Foles as well. So some good insight. We've actually tried to reach out to some other folks, some some players that uh, played with Nick Foles in Philadelphia, and uh, we're working on that. So if we do get that, we'll hopefully do uh, some more of uh, Nick Foles' conversation uh, tomorrow when it comes to uh, other folks. All right, you got a little stay in your lane? A little stay in your lane. Uh, got to give my props, actually, cruise control to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you know, what? A, props? Yeah, they got hammered in that trade. They did get hammered in the trade. This is not about the trade whatsoever. It's actually got nothing to do with Antonio Brown. It's got everything to do with Ryan Shazier. So I'm not sure if you've seen this, Brent, but actually the, the Steelers are going to bring back Shazier and put him on the PUP list. That's the unable to perform list. And basically what that does for Ryan is it guarantees his contract for that year. It also guarantees that, guarantees that he gets the NFL insurance. And it's, a, it's also uh, it's going to be an added year to his pension as well. So I, I feel like, it, you know, I mean, a team that didn't have to do that, it showed good faith in him. Obviously, Ryan Shazier is trying to play, you know, ball again. Um, he's going through that recovery process as we speak and everything like that but listen you talk, talk, talk about a guy who had a devastating injury um who was really the, the heart and soul of that defense who a guy that they haven't really been able to replace yet who they're still trying to replace as inside linebacker but um i think a really cool gesture by the pittsburgh steelers uh you know extending that olive branch basically bringing him back uh, still making him a member of the team and whatnot and obviously it's going to be big for him to get get that insurance and that pension as well. That's awesome, uh, by the way. That is a really cool story. And, you know, we, when you say that story, you got me thinking a little bit. The Ryan Shazier thing did change their franchise. You know, it did change the way, you know, when you have a building block like that, yeah. and, you know, obviously you're worried about his health and, and everything else, but from a team perspective, you have to go replace that, you know. And I, yeah. I think he was starting to become part of the heart and soul of that team, that defense, mm -hmm. uh, to a degree. And I, I don't get me wrong here. I don't think he's the reason why Antonio Brown started calling people out and Big Ben started calling people out and yeah. Le'Veon Bell sat out the year. I mean, let's not be crazy. But I do think it really helped change uh, the direction of that organization a little bit because now you have to go get someone else and you're still trying to handle the other side of it, the emotional side of that. That was a tough deal. And uh, that's a cool gesture. Yeah, to that point, I think there are a lot of teams. See, what's happening now, and we talked a lot about it this week, is the money. And we're going to get to a point where there is going to be a big disagreement. I believe there will be a labor stoppage. But I think what we dismiss sometimes is that teams and players come together often and do some pretty cool things. And not just the Shazir thing. I think there are teams, I think the Jaguars, uh, at least in the last handful of years that I've paid really close attention to it um, from my business side and got to know this regime, uh, whether it was Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell and now Coughlin and Marone, I think they do some very good things from a business standpoint to help the player, to take care of the player. I think they will handle this Blake Bortles release in a classy way. I don't think there's been many things. I mean, you got to go back to when they released David Garrard 
after the lunch and him being introduced to see like something that's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they handled it that way. That was a PR nightmare for the Jaguars, <laughs> like to do that. And, and that was not a good look. But my point is I think they do business in a good way with players. And I think it, we're going to get a, to a point where it's like this um, – there's this wall in between players and owners because each side will want something, and that's just negotiations. That's just the way it goes in in life, really, but in sports. But I do think there are a lot of stories like the one you just told about Brian Shazier. I mean, that one's unique because of his injury. But I do think teams and organizations and players come together to do some pretty cool things, not just in the community. I'm talking a business sense that we sometimes don't know about. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you know, obviously I've never met the guy. I don't really know much about him. But, but from what I garnered, he's definitely still even the, the heart and soul of that defense. And especially when we talk about Pittsburgh, you know, I get it. Uh, they had Antonio Brown, Big Ben. So we're talking more about their offense lately than we're about their defense. But when he was playing, man, that defense was really humming. Um, he was definitely the heart and soul of the team. So it's good. Don't get me wrong. This isn't the only team to do that. Um, I think the Bears actually did something uh, s- similar, if I'm not mistaken, with Zach Miller. Have they done that? I, uh, yeah. I don't know where he's at in terms of that, in terms of the contract. Uh, yeah. What did they honor? All those I, things. I, I think I know for some capacity where they still have him like on the team and whatnot, so he's still getting that salary. He's still getting the insurance, which is obviously the most important part um, with, with, with his rehab and stuff like that. So... Uh, I know the Bears have done that as well, and I'm sure a lot of teams do that. I just you know, yeah. mentioned it. Well, and you know, too, and, and you've told us a little bit. The NFL, when you're in the NFL community anyway, you'll get some perks yep. sometimes for the rest of your life, whether it's just joining the YMCA. Yeah, right? that's huge, right? man. You, yeah, don't, you yeah. don't pay. I mean, you're free, a lifetime yep. member of the YMCA. Free, yep, free YMCA membership, which is actually a really big deal to yeah. think about. Yeah. I, I, I can add up after a while. <laughs> that's right. That's pretty yeah. good. And yeah, yeah. It promotes healthy lifestyle and all that stuff. Sure. So you get that. But I do think, too, um, you get some of the stars in organizations. I think those organizations usually welcome them back in roles. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think uh, Josh Scobie told me, we're going to have him on later this week, but I think he's doing an internship with the Jags this year of sorts, yep. where he can kind of see what's going on. And um, I think that's a guy that gave 10 years to the organization, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm obviously Tony Baselli and Jeff yeah. Lagerman. And think about the guys that Fred Taylor that have been involved with the team that played for a long time with the team, uh, I think that happens across organizations, you know, yep. and I think that happens in the NFL. So that's a good thing well, to see. And it's a good, it's a good thing to be a part of if you're in that fraternity. And, and you know what, man? And it's definitely, a, it's definitely a camaraderie. It's definitely a fraternity. I mean, just for instance, last week, a, a dude by the name of Kevin Glover, uh, who works with the Detroit Lions, actually invited me and my family to come to a training camp. And bro, this is the Lions team that I literally played like four games for you know but th- he still reached out he's with their pro personnel department he's like hey man we'd love to get you if you're in wisconsin if you want to come up to detroit man we'd love to have you and the family come out for you know a training camp or a preseason game something like that so the fact that you know like they would reach out to me and i, I literally only served a fraction of time there in detroit um it really says a lot about you know nfl franchises and things like that so all right go to lines. pump your brakes pump your brakes real quick uh gotta bring it up oh yeah now I remember, Lori, <laughs> L- Lori Lachlan, a.k.a. Aunt Becky from Full House and Felicity Hoffman are in some kind of trouble. Aunt Becky? Yeah, Aunt Becky's in trouble. You see what happened? I say aunt, you say aunt. Aunt, yeah. Auntie, uh, did you see what happened, though, why I, she's in trouble? I didn't. So, apparently, there's a giant... I liked Aunt Becky, though. Well, who didn't? Uh, but there's a... <laughs> you're not going to like her after this, or maybe you will. Um, so, th- there's a problem where... Aunt Becky and Felicity Hoffman, who's another actress who I'm not really familiar with, but there's actually a dozen people involved in the scandal 
where there's actually an admission scandal on with universities right now. And uh, uh, I saw that. Yeah. So and what ended up happening was is uh, parents, I guess, they had a lot of money and their kids might have been uh, a little under the status quo when it comes to ACT, SAT, SAT scores, or maybe GPAs. Um, reached out to universities, and in doing so, they actually set up a thing where they got their kids to be a quote-unquote athlete. And what that basically means is if your kid's an athlete and is uh, getting considered for a scholarship, the university can kind of bend the rules a little bit when it comes to, yeah. uh, A little leniency. Not saying it happened to me, but it is convenient. (laughs) But anyways, well, it just turns out that some of these parents are kids that aren't actually athletes, uh, and the FBI has investigated this and busted them. So a story to definitely keep in mind and keep... uh, keep you know watching to see how it develops but uh some parents are in trouble is our co- colleges and universities like the most crooked thing going top 10 huh i would say i mean think about it <laughs> i mean it's well and by the way i'm not surprised at all i just thought that happened like i didn't i didn't even know the fbi needed to investigate that i just figured that's kind of stuff happened well, you got no, money I- hey get my kid in I guess I was kind of naive that. I mean, I get it. Like, hey, if you're a great athlete, uh, maybe your GPA is not the best, but you're definitely going to go play, you know, at a university. That's not a big deal. But I don't know you can just, like, pay to have, like, coaches say that your kid's getting recruited for a sport and then they get in. Like, I had no idea that was going on. I guess <laughs> I'm just naive. Yeah. That's, oh, you're that's naive. Why, yeah, well, that, but that's, that's, why, that's why my son's going to be a good GPA and a good athlete. <laughs> Scholarships all over the place. Yep. Hey, when we come back, one more segment from TPC Sawgrass, the Players' Championship, our cover. Is brought to you by the law office is of John Phillips, and we're talking Tiger Woods, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles when we come back. Hey, welcome back to the Players Championship TPC Sawgrass here on a Tuesday in Jacksonville, Florida, really Ponte Vedra Beach uh, for this one. Brett Martino, Austin Lane, Coos back in the studio, and by the way, to reset things as we uh, end the show, we're going to talk a little Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, Tiger Woods. But before we get into that, we do have to mention that if you missed near the top of the show, Austin Lane oh, basically ran across a fairway to try to get out here behind 17. Yeah, so basically I was in the media center with Brent. Uh, Brent took off a little soon because uh, he had to get you know set up the show and whatnot. Well, I had to take full advantage of the spread that they had, which was <laughs> oh, did you try some of the food today? Uh, what did I have? Oh, what it was, was today. It, it was. Uh, what we day had, is today? T- today is Tuesday, so it was. They had chicken, mushrooms. Uh, you know, it was a nice Caesar salad. Oh, yeah, salad. yeah. I had, then, I had the, uh, like, the had, like, strawberries the, and whatever salad. Okay. Well, that's Does that cool make too. me less of a man? Uh, no comment. Yeah. Anyways, but they also had, uh, like, these little sushi things. So they, they had sushi bowls. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and then they had these little, uh, like, uh, hand rolls as well. Ah. So I was grubbing on those, and by the time I stopped grubbing, I was having some conversation with some people in the media center, you know, just trying to put my name out there a little bit <laughs> in the whole golf world. <laughs> Ended up realizing, like, whoa, I got 15 minutes to get to where I'm supposed to be, so I better get booking. Well, I think I walked out the wrong direction to start out. with. I started walking towards the parking lot. That was the wrong direction. I walked the other way, and by that time, I had, like, eight minutes to get here. No idea where here was. So I asked somebody where, you know, where the show was. Like, hey, we're 17. They're like, oh, it's just across that way. I'm like, just across that way. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I see a wide-open pasture. <laughs> For, you know, uh, for, for me to run on, and I ran across, and security um, yelled at me and said, "Hey, what do you think? What do you think you're doing?" And I showed him. I, I had the, I had my badge, my media badge around my neck, and I go, "Don't worry, it's cool." And I showed him the media badge, and uh, he was not impressed, and I kind of yelled at a little bit, but thankfully my pass was not revoked. 
I made it here with uh, with seconds to spare, and uh, I was here on time. Unbelievable. And I bet I uh, can't wait to get back to the media center and see if your pass has been revoked. <laughs> There'll probably be a story back there about it. Uh, one other quick note. We're trying to do a lot of things, right? we got the video going. The video went out earlier. We're losing power all over the place. The phone's going out. I'm like, wait a minute. We're plugged in. We are plugged in. we got a power strip. We have power. This was working the other day. Why isn't it working? The guy over there for the first tee who was doing an event help, comes over, helps me out. He's like, uh, uh, the power strip wasn't on. probably turn it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, that, if you're watching on video today on YouTube, Facebook, uh, on Twitter, or on Twitch, and we, we go dark for a little bit, it's because we forgot to put the power. Well, no. I forgot to put yeah, the power. Yeah, don't throw me that category, man. Yeah, you, you have enough. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 your credentials getting revoked, so <laughs> you've got enough to worry about. All right, I want a quick hit around a couple of things. Nick Foles, we talked to Sal Palantonio, and we talked to Nolan Carroll, who played with him, a Jacksonville guy who played with uh, Nick Foles in 2014. Obviously, the stuff that really resonates, and we'll share it on social media, and we'll share it even more probably throughout the next uh, couple of days. Sal Palantonio, really strong on Nick Foles. And how cool is this? Kuzia said Sal Palantonio called in in the last break and said he really enjoyed spending time with us talking about Nick Foles. So he gave us his number, said call any time, and, and we're going to get Sal Pal on board. Well, I think the issue is obviously him and Foles have the time share together. I think they're trying to go quiet here and get us in the time share <laughs> This as well, is a good place so. to have one. Uh, I'm not going to complain if you get time share, Brent. I'm down. But uh, but he was at, he called him the best player in Eagles history, and he admitted not everybody will agree with him mm-hmm. when it comes to that. He said, beloved in Philadelphia, the fan base is torn in Philadelphia about Wentz and Foles. Uh, very interesting comments, and he says he'll be a fantastic leader, and the community will feel his presence right away in Jacksonville. We're about to see if it happens as Nick Foles is coming uh, to Jacksonville. That will be official tomorrow, and he'll sign and be introduced on Thursday. Uh, as for Blake Bortles, continue the comments because I want to talk more about Bortles tomorrow and what he means to the city, what he's remembered by for the, his time as a Jacksonville Jaguar. I think we'll talk more about Bortles because I think that will become official tomorrow too. Whether it's a trade or a release, I expect a release, so there, there are some rumblings that a trade could happen. So uh, more comments tonight. You can go on social media about that. You can always check out the podcast, by the way, ESPN. Uh, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690 if you missed any of the show. And one last thought. Tiger Woods talked to the media today. And Tiger Woods played a few holes today with Justin Thomas. So I think play nine more holes tomorrow. And then they tease it up in the afternoon on Thursday. Tiger always a big draw. We'll talk about him all week long. But one of the things he commented on was analytics. I kind of like this response. I do. Wins. <laughs> I, I like looking at um, where I am and, and in relation to how I I've played my best not not necessarily in relation to what the tour is or what is you know the you know the the, the, the new formulas and the new analytics of, of strokes gained and stuff like that I try not to get involved in what the other guys are doing but what is it in relation to when I was playing and sometimes some of those numbers aren't available because we didn't have it um, but something close to it, and I, I try and look at, try and get it, get my uh, attention away from what other players are doing and what I'm doing, and so that's been how I've how I've looked at it, um, and you know a lot of it is a lot of self-reflecting and then trying to be honest with myself of where I think that I'm I'm not very good at and things that I am good at, and the thing is I have to be conscious of that I can't practice like I used to. 
I can't devote the hours I can't I got used to on every facet of my game. I got to pick, you know, 20 minutes here, an hour there, and then focus on this part of my game. So I can't practice on all all parts of my game, and uh, had to try and figure that out. And that's how it's going to be going forward. Uh, Tiger Woods talking about. I, I really thought the best part of that reaction when asked about analytics was the first part, first yep. 10 seconds where he said, uh, "Yeah, I I do care about analytics." Wins. I like the style, <laughs> man. That was, that was an awesome comment. And he's got 80 sure. of them. So uh, more Tiger Woods talk, of course, throughout the week. We'll catch up with all the other golfers and the happenings at TPC Sawgrass and the Players' Championship. Trying to balance the players this week, and the golf really gets going on Thursday, along with the news of Nick Foles and the rest of free agency. A lot happening. But this is going to be an exciting couple of days. I'm actually, I'm not going to lie. Sal Palantonio got me fired up about Nick Foles. No, I mean, I, I, see, I'm fired up too. I just, I'm just trying to think about how I'm going to get out of here without getting yelled at again. That's my biggest thing right now, bro. I'm sorry. I can't talk about Foles right now because I'm nervous that I'm going to break the law again and go on the fairway. Well, just think, by this time of day, there's a lot of people breaking the law. Good point. Here. Yeah. Speaking of breaking law, I'm not sure who's playing the country music right now, but... You don't like it? That's uh, all right, man. I, I saw Dirk's Bentley here like four years ago, and that was, that was a good show. John Pardee. John Pardee. Right now, he's really... Wait... John Party or John Pardee? I, I kind of call him Pardee, but John for this Party. one you can say it's the John Party of Party. Uh, uh, but, uh, of course the guy's name is John Party plays country music. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hate on country music. I'm not. Man. Hey, I'm not. Man, I love country music. All right. Hey, and we love you. Thanks, we'll see man. you at the Players' Championship tomorrow. And I'll see you on TV tonight for Coos, Sal Palantonio, Nolan Carroll, and Austin Lane. Stay off the fairways. <laughs> Stay in your lane. I'll see you on Fox. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.